This episode of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast, is brought to you by Amasta Design. Servicing clients domestic and international, Amasta is here to help you through the different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to amastadesign.com. Amasta, spelled A-M-A-S-T-A, design.com. Rolling Press, a Brooklyn Park Slope-based business that can help you print books, magazines, zines, and comics for anyone who wants to start their own thing. Rolling Press, an eco-friendly printing company. Go to www.rollingpress.com. Rolex Creations, formerly Roro Cakes, a boutique paper floor shop creating unique custom-made blooms for your events, weddings, dinner parties, and or office or home decor. Check out Rolex Creations, spelled R-O-L-U-X-E, Creations, on Instagram and on Facebook. Last but not least, Pancake Studios, covering your audio recordings, production, mixing, and mastering needs. Pancake Studios, set at the heart of Brooklyn, also happens to be the home of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. And when we started the podcast, Jonathan made a home for us here and continues to produce quality. Whether you're a musician, filmmaker, working in media like podcasting, look no further than Pancake Studios. Go to www.pancakestudios.net. To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. And we are back. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. And we, yes, we are going to have a lot of fun today. I'm Miguel Alejandro Velez, one of your hosts. And Edward Ng here, uh, here at Pancake Studios at the heart of Brooklyn. Um, with our producer Jonathan Vergara, yes, um, and we have a special guest today, uh, which we'll, we will introduce. Um, my boy Clark here. It's spring break, everyone. Um, uh, April Fools, that's already been passed. Um, and Clark, do you want to anything you want to say? We have a special guest. But what what was it that we discussed in the car? What were you going to say? Do you oh. remember? TBC. TBC in the house. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and. And. What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, our our, our clock. Yes. I feel like we're on Trish talk. I no, we're not going to have any talk about about that this week. Sweet <laughs> we covered Jessica that. Jessica Jones reference. Sweet Jessica Jones reference. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, we aren't all taking some sort of uh, strange inhaling enhancing drug, uh, but it's possible. <laughs> it's highly possible. Uh, Edward, who is our likely. special guest? So here? we have a very, very special guest today. Um, uh, his name is uh, Dave hey. Thomas. Thomas. Dave Thomas. And um, um, why don't you uh, say hi to everyone? Hello, listeners everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this came about because. This came about because uh, Jonathan, um, you'd been doing some work with John, with John oh, yes. here at Pancake Studios. Yeah. And one day, Jonathan, Jonathan loves to just, you know, just sort of uh, say, hey, guys, I, you know, I know you, you want fanboys. I got fanboys for you. <laughs> and I'm a um, I'm and a we immediately got you on the phone. And, 
you know, like it seems as if uh, you know already things are kind of clicking. We had a, I mean, we we just literally just met. We're, uh, yeah, things are clicking, <laughs> clicking and, right away. Um, and you are a musician also. And click on this yes. link, just like myself, <laughs> just like myself. I'm and, always yeah. outnumbered here because I don't play any instruments or sing or compose or do anything. Ah, so. now Miguel, you just walked in, literally just walked in minutes ago. Yeah, and the conversation we were having <laughs> prior to you walk in was about classic rock. Ah. And Mr. Oh. Thomas here, um, uh, you, it seems that you, oh, if you want to just tell the audience what kind of a musician you are, what kind of music that you play. I'm a rock musician. I also play country, bluegrass. Uh, I'm sort of a drummer, I guess, but I'm a songwriter, so really I have to play the guitar. Okay. <laughs> it's not like it called me, you know. It's, it's more just like, part of the gig. Uh, it's more like I, I force it to work with me. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of uh, one of these things that you're like, you can do it, but you realize how much, how many hours of flight time it took you to even get passable. Oh yes, it really makes you appreciate the, you know, all the time someone must put in in order to become a, uh, an Eric Clapton or an Edening, and so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it it really every day I. Uh, I'm more and more in awe of good guitar players. And uh, when did when did you when did you start your musical uh, journey? Early, early on. I collected records when I was young. I, you know, I was around when the Beatles were actually happening. Okay. okay and okay. Uh, so I would walk a mile or more to a record store and buy a 45. Right. Yeah. People wow, don't yeah. realize that. And go home days. and play it. For a week, <laughs> uh, and then go do it again the next week with my. And allowance. for the kids, he's not re referencing a, a forty-five Magnum. He's, he's talking about a, a record. <laughs> yeah, re exactly. Record. We forget, you know, there are two songs: an like A side and a B side. That have no. I, like, yeah. Well, you know, my mother would say the same thing. She would always talk about how, um, you know, in the early days of of rock and roll, you know, in New York City and stuff. Like, what she did is to see she would see two rock and roll shows a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and what she did for those six months in between was she would just collect every can, every bottle to get that. So she, I, this is what I'm going to do. No one's, mom can't tell me I can't go because I'm paying with this with my, my own money. Right. You know, to see this sort of thing. And it's different. It's a, just a different thing today for these kids. They're just like, ah, what's recommended to me on, on whatever SoundCloud or what's, you know, what's. That's right. <laughs> it's true. It's different. But you know what? Passion is passion. Right. And so as long as somebody's passionate about music. That's what's timeless about it, I think. Is that's why music just we were the thing we were talking about with those earlier records, like say um, Blues Breakers with Eric Clapton. It's timeless. Uh, that thing was recorded in 1966, and you know Can the recording quality might be a little, you know, a little. It's not up the to the standards of today. Yeah. But they were using the same microphones and. And then there was just the talent of these people that were playing the music, and it just lives on to this day. And, uh, of course, Beatle records like that, or we were talking about the Bee Gees before you got here. <laughs> so there's a lot to dig into when you start delving, going back into the history of uh, rock music. And people mm. forget how truly revolutionary that period was. People mm. don't understand what a shock to the system rock and roll was culturally. Um, then the then like the sixties the the, the the British invasion mm -hmm. and all this this weird pollinization you know uh, uh, this little pollinization that happened from where it comes back from the roots of rock because yep. that was all about you know the Beatles and stuff with their skiffle bands they're into you know Howlin' Wolf who's touring in England and all the rest of that stuff and then they come back to America 
now with their newly influenced stuff. And you it know, was just they, this huge, hugely, uh, you know. The Beatles gave America back its own music mm. in a lot of ways. And that's a great example. And there's been a, a controversy um, that's been trending in social media about how Bruno Mars is sort of... Um, uh, uh, bring, he, he's sort of misappropriate. There's a misappropriation of black culture, you know. Um, he's been accused of. Um, well, here's a man who's making making money off of black music, and there are others who are just countering that. Like, wait a minute. So, are you saying that he shouldn't be playing? He shouldn't be um, celebrating James Brown. He shouldn't be uh, uh, celebrating uh, the, the culture of what. African Americans have have gifted, you know, with with rock and roll. Um, Imagine if what if we had had that attitude in 1965 and said, "Well, no Beatles, you can't you can't come here, you right. can't play this music, you can't it's it's too alien to you." That's right. I mean, no, it's music comes from passion, and passion crosses all boundaries, right? Racial, sexual, even time boundaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bruno Mars, he loves what he's doing. You can tell that. Yeah, he loves it. He's got a passion. The Beatles had that, that same sort of absolute love for American music. Uh, one thing, I mean, we, we probably don't want to stay on music too long. I don't guess, <laughs> no, that's fine. That's the fine. great thing about the Beatles, especially if you listen to their first earlier records where they were doing an awful lot of cover songs, um, the artists that were popular in England might not necessarily have been popular in America, even the ones they were listening to. Arthur Alexander is not a household name right. here. But they did, I think, two of his songs on their first album. And um, I've always found that interesting, the things that they would pick. Mm. Sometimes it would be the B-side of a single, not the A-side. Right, yeah, the big hit, but then this this other song that, you know, it's like, wow, that's, you know, which got its uh, exposure because it was packaged with all right, this we know. This is the big hit, and okay, let's let's something different that can also get some exposure. Um, what's interesting to connect this to uh, the the flavor of the show uh, still is, um, you know, the 1960s was the, was the the period where we had the explosion of uh, Marvel comics and comic books uh, maturing. Comics. Some many there are many people who look at the Fantastic Four as the comic book equivalent of the Beatles. You know that right. they found yeah, the floor of their yeah. own of their own type, mm-hmm. ushering in something different, but reinterpreting the old as something new for the new generation, and it reverberates. You know, stylistically, its influence is gigantic. You know, Kirby, Stan Kirby, and so you come from that period of the music, but um, you've also now uh, branched out into uh, 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 comic books with yes. your own uh, name of your company again, Danger Comics Corp. Danger Comics Corp, and you are putting out um, uh, 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 two, three different titles, right? We're doing two titles right now, um, but we've got three total. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first that we did was called Anomalies, and it ran six issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that created a character, The Anomaly. So now we're carrying on with the title, The Anomaly. And uh, we also have another uh, character we've just introduced, The Vanguardian. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was that character was created by uh, my partner uh, Carl Ottersberg, mm-hmm. the artist who also does the anomaly, and uh, we're a team. We've done everything we've done has been the two of us, and our our web mistress. That's the three of us. That's Danger Comics Corp. Um, and yeah, the rock, the rock and roll lifestyle um, permeates what we do. <laughs> There's no question about it. No question. And I'm glad you brought up Marvel because it's really the inspiration for us. Um, 
The Marvel at one point, Marvel even stopped saying Marvel Comics uh, in the little logo that was up in the right, corner. Yep, yep. It would say uh, Marvel Pop Art Productions. Mm. Oh right, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and that was the whole explosion of the '60s was art and culture, but there was also uh, social movements. There was civil rights, which I was. That was probably the first thing I really became super aware of as a kid, as, as anything political. I mean, I remember Kennedy being assassinated. And, of course, I knew about Vietnam, but Vietnam wasn't, at that point, really being reported on television the way it would be later on. It was more like, well, more soldiers are going to Vietnam, and, uh, you know, the president is, you know, giving them the big thumbs up. You know, it was right. all very rah-rah <laughs> patriotism, and nobody was saying, why are we in Vietnam? What are we doing How there? Long this is going to go on and so on. Now, what so year forth. was yeah. it that uh, Black Panther was published? Black Panther is 1966. 1966. Mm-hmm. When he first wow. makes his appearance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, three or four months before uh, before the Black Panther movement was started. Right. That, yeah. I'm pretty sure they took their name from the character. And Marvel the was, uh, I, you know, wow, as we know today, Marvel uh, pretty much is way <laughs> it's a more. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, what I'm saying it's it's way more. Um, uh, um, very different from from DC. D- DC, you don't have any of those black characters but no i would disagree i disagree um marvel has marvel definitely has the two marquee african uh and african because they're two different one is an african-american and one is an african character you have black panther and luke cage but dc has got it has got its own share of black characters there you'll find a a whole generation 20 years of kids out there who love john stewart there are people who love Vixen. Okay, there are. But John Stewart. I mean, that's. They is he, came, they is came he an adjunct character? Sure, fine. But he he has developed into his his own thing. Right. Uh, I mean, you've got Vixen. You know, who is now being showcased at you know CW right. and other. But um, what I'm saying is that it it would have to take something like the '60s to breed a character like Black Panther. This is- Exactly, and right. this was the point I was going to go to, was that Stan Lee just simply was, you know, he was right here in New York, right in the heart of it. Mm-hmm. So were the guys at D.C., but Stan Lee seemed to just have his finger on the pulse of what's what's the common guy interested in, what's he looking at, what's he thinking? Yeah. Let's put that in there. And so that just led him to characters, not just like the Black Panther, but a lot of Interestingly, not super complex characters, mm-hmm. but in a comic book, especially back then, it probably would have been a hindrance if they'd been too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what but I like- compared to some <laughs> other things, it was Hemingway. Exactly. <laughs> compared to an average issue of Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Look, let's, let's just go ahead and get something straight right now, okay? I'm a writer, so I'm coming at this as a writer. So my favorite writers of all time, Shakespeare, Jane Austen. Ian Fleming, Stanley. <laughs> it's just that simple. Throw in some Dorothy Parker. And you know what? There are some people out there who'd be like, how dare you put Shakespeare in that, in that and Stan Lee and Ian Fleming. And you go, and you know. Well, Shakespeare he was, wasn't high, he was high the, art at the time. He wasn't high art. <laughs> no. People, it was the it was entertainment the of the masses. He was a populist. Yes. Right. And, uh, but they, the masses enjoyed uh, stories about kings. Right. And so he did a lot of those. Mm-hmm. But his best <laughs> ones are, are show how flawed they were and how they just 
failed like mm. miserably. And, 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 what and, acts, right? <laughs> and what does Stan do? And what does Stan do? The same thing. Mm. Now I, I'm I'm glad that someone like Stan, we can say, okay, you've 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 given us um, aside from Spider Man and, and and Fantastic Four or even Black Panther, you've also you've also put Thanos on a helicopter. Well, when he was publisher, know? he didn't and, write and, those and stories. Had, well, what I'm saying is, like, what I'm saying is, as editor, as editor, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, I think Thanos is not even under his regime. <laughs> yeah, that's Starlin and all. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. another stuff. Uh, Jim well, Starlin, we could have a whole. Oh, yeah, but still, guys, we have to drop LSD. Yeah, yeah. But it would still be we can have we can talk Thanos about on a helicopter and being 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 that either way. Okay, so we got your bona fides here out. Pretty yes, well. Yes. Yes. Uh, did so I deliver? You deliver you as did, always, you John. You, you deliver did. as always with the guests. Check us in the mail. Check us in the mail. So, Dave, we're we just want to go over some of the uh, news of the day with you before we continue yes. our conversation with you sure. and get some more of your your insights. So, uh, so to we, that end, I'll heckle you to, while you're doing it. To that end, we will be uh, playing our in the news jingle, which goes a little something like, like this. this. You. Are listening to In the News on TBC, a fanboy podcast. And that was our In the News jingle. Uh, a lot of stuff happening uh, that uh, we can discuss here. Uh, not too meaty, it's not a ton, but you know, we're in a month where we're very close to Infinity War coming out, we're close to the the solo Star Wars movie coming out and there have been there you know there's some stuff to discuss so Edward take it away with our first subject so of some discussion of the, some of the things the some of the stories that um, since we've been away um, well the first one first the one. first one but well let's handle the uh, Kristen Wiig um, and Pedro Pascal being cast casting casting news for Wonder yes. Woman the sequel the sequel uh, so uh, Dave did you see the Wonder Woman uh, 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 the first film yes uh, oh, about yeah. Patty Jenkins loved okay. it. loved it I've probably seen it about ten times. Wow! Really? <laughs> wow! That's that's saying something. That's saying something. I, I enjoy the movie, but I am I am not one of these. I think it's incredibly solid. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. I feel it's a little overpraised myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, you're talking to somebody who thinks the Dark Knight and um, Winter Soldier is a little overpraised. <laughs> so maybe I'm not one of these people. That doesn't mean I think they're bad. That is not. I think they're great movies. We need I to have a sound effect. For my eyes getting so <laughs> wide, Is there like an eye stretching sound. Well, 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 look, look. As as someone who who loves these things, I, I am. I can. I can still think sometimes that the fans get their passions can overwhelm them in their judgments of sometimes. And when we, I when someone tells me that the Dark Knight is the greatest movie of all time, I go, How many movies have you seen? <laughs> because ultimately, at the end of the day, it is still a comic book movie, a superhero film. And as much as I love them and am passionate about them, those things also have inherent limits in them. That's right. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. understanding that, the artists who understand that are what makes it well. If you just go with it like it's the greatest thing, well, I don't know. But um, we have Wonder Woman uh, 2. Mm -hmm. Gotta have with Kristen Wiig, who I absolutely adore. Yeah, what do you yeah. what do you think about that 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 casting for her as Cheetah? It's well, clearly it's uh, that she's going to be <laughs> Cheetah at this point. I mean, that's already been confirmed by yeah, yeah, yeah. by Patty Jenkins. I'm very interested to see what she brings to it. I mean, she she's got range. She yeah. really does. Kristen Wiig, she, she played a skeleton, lot of characters on SNL. Twins. She's very creative. She's a good writer. She's probably, I'll bet she'll have input into the script a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, with Patty Jenkins there, 
I'm sure that Kristen Wiig will be totally accommodated as yeah. far as and they've got carte blanche at this point, um, especially with the, in the state of the DC cinematic universe. Patty Jenkins has carte blanche because of what she's brought into uh, to WB. And the now, success now my, my, here's that my question, brought. Ed. What did what do you think about the the, the casting person for, for Kristen Wiig? Yeah, Kristen Wiig is fabulous. Now, I, I I haven't seen Skeleton Twins the whole entire movie, but I've seen I've seen parts of it. Um, and just as Dave has indicated, she has range. Um, let's we, we, you don't even have to get into the comedy here, but she's comically she's the female version of Will Ferrell. She's a genius. Or a Bill Hader and Will Ferrell combined. Actually, that's not that. Actually, well, does she? Does she doesn't really have that. She doesn't really do impressions the way Hader does. She has her own. Characters, she has her own character. A lot of more her own characters. Right. I rarely see. And when she has been tapped to do a character of someone famous, right? It's in that Dana Carvey, yeah, George Bush kind of like. It's a such an exaggeration. It doesn't even yeah. sound like that person, but it's its own. Right. Its own thing. For myself. I'm uh, I'm actually, this is one of these things I'm giving a little bit of pause, and it's not necessarily because I don't think she's talented. She's incredibly talented. I trust Patty Jenkins' um, uh, instincts. That said, when I think of the character, when I think of Cheetah, I don't, I, she just does not come into my mind whatsoever. And that's fine for these movies because, you know, Dave, you've been around enough to see a lot of these kind of castings that have happened that turned out... Yeah. That someone Michael like Keaton's said, a perfect. Ah, Michael Keaton's a Michael perfect Keaton, example. Michael Keaton, you know, um, uh, we we can look at some even you know even to a certain degree, you know, like an RDJ when you first hear it, just like what, and then okay, all right, the, you know the revel the revelation. Uh, well, what I heard about Michael Keaton was that they were going, oh, he, it's they're just he's typecast now because he did Birdman. Yeah, but then if you look at. Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, I mean, my God, he brought it. I mean, yeah. he, he, I thought he was just fantastic. I am really hoping he shows up in the sequel. I don't need to have him back in the costume for a fight, but I need at least one scene again between uh, him and Holland. Did you notice that moment in the movie when Peter Parker is knocking at the door to go pick <laughs> up his date? Oh. Spoiler alert. Um, there was no music playing. Or anything. It's just dead silence. Right. That should have been a tip off. But <laughs> the thing is, that door opened and his face filled the screen. And I was at Alamo Draft House. And oh, wow. you heard everybody in the theater gasp. It was just one of <laughs> it those. It was great, rather masterful. Yeah, it was a great cinematic moment from last year, I think. Right, right. But similar, again, similar to the same thing. It's like you go, well, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if this person is the right fit. But, you know, I, I, have, I have faith in Patty, but I'm just for myself. I'm at that point where I need to see that first trailer. Or at least see her in costume or see what, like, she's going to look like. Because there's also a physical presence thing. It's not a beauty thing. Mm -hmm. This is not about Kristen Wiig for me. Oh, she can't. No, nothing at all. I, I just, the physical presence in most of her movies is not what I would think of when I think of a character who's going to go toe-to-toe with Wonder Woman. And that's not even, like, a physical presence in terms of she has to be buff. It's just physical presence. Just, like... How Kristen Wiig inhabits the screen as compared to, like, say, a Charlize Theron. Right. Well, you right. know what I mean. Granted, that that's again uh, that's one of our great actresses. One of our great yeah. actresses. Um, and of course, um, uh, as mentioned before, uh, Pedro Pascal, <laughs> aka Oberlin Martell, and what's his? Uh, I forget the character he played on the Kingsman sequel. 
Right. Um, yes. 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 Right. Um, was he the lasso guy? Right. Yeah. He was. Yeah. You know. Um, um, he's he's getting. A, a, I mean, as an actor, I feel that he's getting a lot of buzz. I think he'll. Um, we don't know what he's going to be playing. And this is what's funny is is that I was online and I was talking to someone. And I don't know how much you followed um, any uh, uh, Wonder Woman comics per se. I'm I'm, I'm a much I'm a big fan of them, and especially from the early '80s. Um, not the mid '80s with uh, George Perez's reboot. And uh, I don't know if you remember that, uh, which didn't get on NBC. That Adrian Palacki uh, Wonder Woman pilot that uh, David E. Kelly did. But yeah, <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, nor should you. <laughs> nor, 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 Thank goodness. We, we took that bullet for you. Uh, and Pascal is in that, surprisingly enough. No kidding. <laughs> He's ca- he was cast as a character called N- uh, Ed uh, uh, Indelicato, who was this uh, character from the comics, who was this detective from Boston, who was kind of very, I think really like Sipkowitz, Columbo type, who ends up being a, 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 an ally to Wonder Woman. And uh, so that was his role in the, in the in this TV pilot that never aired. Mm. And so now he's getting cast in the Wonder Woman sequel, and people are going like, wow, wouldn't it be odd if he played the same character? <laughs> now, now I have Sipowitz in my head going, Amazons. Amazons. What's good? <laughs> <laughs> Amazons. They saw my hairy ass. They might do that. My number one worry about Wonder Woman 2 is simply Wonder Woman herself. Are they going to go into cruise control with her character? I think the, the side characters... It's got, a lot of it's going to depend. They'll they'll be as uh, judged based on how they play against Wonder Woman. Right. And you know we had such a, a arc with her. Uh, she had a very, you know, sort of all encompassing arc. I mean, she had her whole love life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. In one movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I mean, so her character arc has gone all the way. So I'm wondering now, how do they keep her interesting? Well, I think one of the things that I, I think one of the big obvious ones is the simple fact that we don't know there's all this unexplored territory. Mm-hmm. We don't know if she returned home. We don't know if she returned home and then came back via the Justice League. We don't know if she stayed out in the world. What did she do? What did she learn? What did she change from that moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I based, think based from the to, last, to, to of, based from Justice League, um, you know, cat's out of cat's out of cats bag. Out of bag. Uh, but the question and is, now, will this be a modern day movie, or this will right, this be a period uh, movie? Or will they set, say, okay, because I don't believe that they're done with Justice League, despite whatever issues with mm-hmm. that film. So I could see them saying, Wonder Woman and Justice League is that's the modern day. Her solo films will be flashback films that take place in between the period of time of World War One and her debut on the world yeah. stage in Justice League. Right. Yeah, they've got a lo- broad canvas. They yeah. can they can be anywhere between modern day and mm-hmm. World War One. They could she's known as a World War Two character in the right, comics, right. so yeah. I think they ought to cover that period. To be honest, if that's successful, and if that's successful in that, she can pretty much be in any period, right? So because she's been a She's been in existence for since since, since the dawn 41. of man. Since forty one. Right? Yeah. Well, 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 also the, there's also the, the thing of uh, she's a demigod. You right? know, you can you can also uh, do all sorts of questions of to explain. You know, because I think having her in the, having only flashback stories has its limitations. Uh, but then you can go into because of the character, you can go to all sorts of where yeah. you could be like Wonder Woman went to the the world of the gods. Hung out with you know, hung Wonder Woman went to a secret another secret society. Yeah. You know we're gonna we're we, yeah, we're gonna get into you know all of the weird uh, secret worlds of the DC universe. We can mm-hmm. have cameos. We can do this. We can do that. Um, 
And just to generally pivot off of Wonder Woman here, the other parts of this is that, you know, you were talking about, uh, uh, before we started recording, uh, your disappointment with some of the DC films. Mm -hmm. And it's something to be said about how the fact that we've got, there's a lot of doom and gloom, but if we look at it objectively, actually, myself, okay. let's look at this. Wonder Woman, we know is happening. We know it's happening. It's, it's a given. Yeah. They are currently filming uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel. We've got... I'm excited. Stop. No, no monkey no, wrench. No. We've got... We've got uh, Aquaman, which is finishing up its yes. post-production. Yes. Um, so that's not... And then uh, Flashpoint, the Flash movie, mm -hmm. uh, which, again, I'm not even sure if it's Flashpoint anymore, even. Uh, the Flash film has found its two directors, and they are doing a page... Uh, they are starting that, and that is also seems to be uh, moving in the, in the right direction. And have you heard the rumor I heard was that they're going to put out the Snyder Cut of Justice League? See, I am not ever... That is, let me tell you, as a guy who does a lot of interactions online, I'm a, a member of a, a forum superhero hype, um, you know, mm -hmm. so I... That sounds to me more pipe dreamish than anything. Oh, Only I heard because it on the amount of book cast, you know that one? Yeah, yeah oh, no, 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 yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with them, and I, I think that that just feels like... Given the amount of money that it would require, given that you but would the have demand question. is there, Miguel. The demand, the demand Look, is there. I would be a first one in line to buy it. <laughs> given I, the amount of money they've lost, yeah, this is their chance to make up some of that. There is some. There is something to be said about that because you can get bells and whistles. Here's the something new: double dipping for you know is something corporations. Yep. Love to do. And we'll be able to compare the two and, and figure out, okay, this is the Joss Whedon part, this is the Zack Snyder. This is what yeah, yeah. Because to me, the problem with the movie was simply that there was these two very different visions at play in the same picture. Mm. And, you know, I'm a, I believe in the auteur theory when it comes to cinema. You know, the, the, the director is the author of the film. Right. And so we... Two authors. It's the same it's a, as having a, two chefs in the kitchen. Exactly. Um, and also, you know, the other part about it is that um, I would, I, I would be very, very, very interested in just seeing like how the characters were handled so differently because there are things I don't know. Have you seen any of the? Uh, uh, when the film came out, there was a bit of a, a hubbub because some of the VFX guys. Mm -hmm. uh, leaked oh, some of yeah. Snyder's um, what he had shot his effects stuff mm -hmm. unfinished mm -hmm. very rough I don't know if you've seen any of that Dave I've not no try and find it online because the flavor just visually of that stuff as compared to what was actually delivered in the final film it, you, in my opinion I look at it and I go that is it just looks better it looks like the more time was taken with it. It was unfinished, and it looked like more time was taken. To it. But again, that's 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 me. What else we have? Uh, 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 one of the stories that we were we were discussing this yesterday. Um, Henry Cavill on the set of Shazam. Oh yes, I don't know. Question if mark. Have you have you seen with any Shaquille of that? With or without mustache? <laughs> Obviously without mustache. Obviously without mustache. Yeah, this is As without a of fact, mustache. Without. <laughs> Henry just because Henry uh, Instagrammed an image of him. Uh, he's in the bathrobe with a with the with the head towel, and he's just talking to the audience. It's like I I don't have my mustache anymore, you know? <laughs> and he's looking don't, as charming as ever. Cavill is Cavill is not a human being, as I've said many times on the show. Cavill is, is a, a gentleman. <laughs> he's a gentleman automaton made by a cabal of straight women and gay men to make the rest of us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> or to be inspired by. 
Uh, Man, that poor guy. I personally... Poor guy. uh, No, no, Dave, Dave, Dave. Let's not go poor guy. (laughs) I feel he's been dumped on so much. He's been... No, he's poor because of the fan reaction that goes goes overboard. But let's be honest here. He's got this Tom Cruise. He's got Mission Impossible 2. Six coming out. Yep. All right. He's dating every gorgeous woman in the world. He's, he's... He's one. He's a man who's gone toe to toe with uh, Gina Carino, <laughs> and yet he's going to be remembered for Mustache Gate. So. I don't. I'm not sure. See, I think I don't think he was. And as a matter of no. fact, if he, if this, one of the things about this is, is that he has the same agent as uh, Dwayne the jo- uh, Dwayne Johnson. Does and, he really now? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and well, that, that might is, explain his presence on the set. And oh, that is. Wait a minute. Is Dwayne Johnson in Shazam? No, he's Black Adam. Well, Would he there's, be? The there's a question about it. So the manager of both of them puts out this tweet, and it's her and, oh, who is this man I'm talking to? What's going on? Very sh- He's in the shadows. And then we get a real picture, and it's her, and it's Cavill, and he's got this big black robe on. He's, what's under that robe? Where is he? Why is he on the set? And Shazam! Want to know. Shazam! Captain Marvel and Superman in the same and it, movie? And it's not, it's not that much of an impossibility for Superman to be in Shazam because, as you and I have, have talked about in the past, Miguel, um, it's like that um, that notable Justice League Unlimited episode where... Right, yes. Right? Yes. It's uh, Jerry O'Connell, I think he played um He did uh, the Captain voice, Marvel. yes, he did the voice of Marvel, yeah. And it's that line, it's like, I've looked up to you all my life, and he's mm-hmm. talking to, to Superman. Uh, played by, and they've had by, they've uh, had Tim. some some recent comic stories where they they go that they had uh, I, I want to call I think it was called Superman Shazam First Thunder yeah where that was a great right. story of essentially Superman it's like Lex Luthor and Savannah versus Superman and Shazam and it's the early part of Shaz- of Captain Marvel's career yeah and you know it's the sort of thing where and that's uh, my favorite part of that whole story is the Wizard talking to Superman. And the wizard and Superman is like, he is enraged. He's like, how dare you put a child into this situation? Like, he, he, like, it's a totally different, like, like, mindset that most of us think, oh, Superman's gonna get along. He's gonna be happy. He's like, he's like, who did that? When he finds out um, the revelation, uh, Billy Batson, you know, says the words, and he transforms back into a boy. Right. He's young. And Shazam, and Superman looks at him, and his first words are, who did this to you? <laughs> and if now, they can translate something meaty like that into a live-action film with Zach Levi and Henry Cavill on set with, you know, I mean, just, it's it's a really good cast they've got going uh, for the Shazam movie. I, I hope that that pays off. It'll be interesting to see, especially who they're going to cast as Billy Batson. Oh, they, and they have, and they, they have. They have oh. It's been cast. Um, uh, Zach Levi is playing... Um, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel, right, right, and I'm forgetting the name of 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 the kid, but they have actually worked together, and they 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 seem to have a good chemistry. It's it's odd because of course Captain Marvel is never going to share the screen with Billy Batson because they're right. the same person. But and, you know uh, you've seen them together, and it's like oh they've 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 got something going on here. And what age do you think they're going to bring Billy Batson in at in the story? Well, he seems to the actor I think is about 13, 13 14. 14. That's about the perfect age. Right. He's about the perfect age. We can see him maybe comic grow. book reader age. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And they've got all of the Lieutenant Marvels. Yeah. Captain Marvel embodies, of course, Shazam. Sorry, Captain <laughs> yeah, Marvel yeah, is a whole different movie. Um, but the character embodies this transformative type of thing. We all wish we could become empowered 
and take control of our lives. And be like Superman. Yes. Right. This is what makes Peter Parker work such so well yeah. as a character also, is the fact that it, uh, the reader, the comic book reader of 13, 14, who probably feels pretty oppressed. <laughs> oppressed at school, oppressed at home. There's no point in your life when you're 13, He's 14, that you're He's actually a, in control of anything. Right. And uh, unless you're squashing bugs on a sidewalk, or <laughs> right? Something. And so that and those kids grow up into be Black Adams yeah. <laughs> if they don't if they don't find their way. <laughs> How crazy is it though that the character of Captain Marvel was just allowed to die off? The original big red cheese Captain mm. Marvel from the from the forties, who was actually the biggest selling comic book. Yeah, there was that period of time where he was uh, he was eclipsing Superman in sales. That said, I've kind of comics. I've kind of felt that there there is something to be said about that lawsuit. There is something to be said about like the similarities are obvious. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like a general riff, and and they were also smart enough to, uh, you know, even though DC squashed all that, they brought in Mort Weisinger and all those other guys to eventually give us the Silver Age of Superman, and the influences of Captain Marvel are there. I mean, Mary Marvel is before Supergirl. Did I get that incorrect? Is it Fawcett Publications? or It was Fawcett, Fawcett. yes, yes. It was Fawcett, you know? It's interesting that they just... I mean, they still had the number one selling comic when they lost the lawsuit. They probably could have just changed the character a little bit or something, I don't know, but... Instead, they simply got out of the comic book business altogether. They just cut and ran. And I've always found that incredibly strange because they left the character out there just floating around. The uh, there was no uh, the copyright or the you know the legal. Uh, well, that's why we're in the situation we are with Captain Marvel, Shazam versus exactly. Marvel and Carol Danvers. Well, <laughs> but the issue that we we had a discussion about this about the villains. It's not like he has a great uh, run of rogues. I mean, here you have Mark Strong, who's been cast as Savannah. Right. Um, and um, which there's something there. Savannah, is, yeah. you can do something with. Yeah, I mean, I like Mark Strong, to, right? But 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 here's not, my here's my question to you, as 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 going to ask Dave. I mean, like your knowledge of the Captain Marvel character and his rogues gallery. Let's be honest. Black Adam, Savannah. All right, you put Mister Mind Mr. in there Mind. as as a nostalgia thing, but is he really a great character? And then you're not left <laughs> with a lot of other things that are. Captain Nazi, a ta- you know, there's not. Captain Nazi? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of weird. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, Mr. Mind was the big one of the 40s. Right. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mind was behind so many stories. The Society they, of Evil, right. And yeah. then they finally revealed Mr. Mind is this tiny little caterpillar from cat- outer space. From outer space. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and you know, that may have yeah, worked. Yeah, how's in, that going to work on the screen? That may have worked in 41, but you're right. And it's like, how do you, I don't know exactly what this So it's like, Ed, Ed's, Ed's little contention is like, well, if you're not going to have Black Adam and if it's just going to be Savannah, we've seen that before. We've seen that kind of, oh, here's the megalomaniacal mastermind yeah. versus the... He's you know, Lex Luthor with a pair of glasses. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah so right, it's like, right. what do you, Ed, you're right. What do, we, what do you do? And I and my answer to Ed is this: in the modern run of Shazam, what they've done is um, Jeff Johns' stuff. I don't know if you've kept up or anything, but his whole thing is his first thing was he brought in the sins, the very antithesis of uh, all of the you know attributes of Shazam. You know, lust, envy, hatred. So mm-hmm. I think if you have strong versus as some sort of personification of the sins. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, strong in the sins versus Marvel, and then add in your 
you get a Superman cameo in there. I don't know. That sounds that sounds pretty sweet to me. And there's the element of magic, which they've brought in a lot more. The fact, Captain Marvel is a magical character. Yeah. He just magically changes. Antithetical and, uh, to Superman's um, abilities. Right, um, yeah. Right. And that's a great way to keep Superman in check in the movie because you ask, well, one weakness, how, two weaknesses. How, 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 do, how, do, how, do, how do the villains stand a chance magic. against Captain Marvel and Superman? And you go, well, there you go. Like, Superman's already, he's, he's, he has a bit of a handicap in this uh, kind of situation. Marvel has faced the same problem. Uh, nobody's as strong as Hulk. Mm -hmm. So they ha Captain Marvel is the solution to that. Right. Right. Um, so what else? Avenger. What else? What else? What else? <laughs> the <laughs> other Captain Marvel. <laughs> what? Uh, what other we have in the news? Um, well, there were rumors um, out there that this is just several days ago that the Aquaman that we were going to get an Aquaman trailer, which um, J uh, uh, James Wan James Wan had already debunked. Yeah, he had to go out and he was like, "The reason you're not getting one is me." Yeah. <laughs> Basically, he said it was. He was like, "You're not getting one because." I'm not satisfied with the effects and other things. I, I'm not going to put this out there until I really feel that it's going to something to knock your socks off. And uh, I, yeah, exactly. Who you know? You, you don't want to hear the other way. You know, I'll give you whatever you want. <laughs> I don't care if it's done or not. Here you go. <laughs> Look, we've all looked at a lot of bad television representation of superheroes. Right. There's countless examples of it. Legends not being of tomorrow. See them yourself. Okay, no, we just got to get out of our chest. I'm sorry, um, but uh, yeah, you want to see something like uh, really cool. Now, uh, what, what do you think about? What did you think about the casting of Momoa? Oh, I thought he was fine. Yeah, I really liked him. I think he's great, and you know, I think feel like the character of Aquaman is no pun intended fluid. <laughs> <laughs> He, you know, you can do a lot with the character. I think he, of all the characters they left behind when they did, when they've rebooted, and DC's done a number of reboots, as you know, um, I felt like he was the most, one of the most successful. Mm. And so I was totally fine with them changing him. I mean, uh, as you said, the fluidity that he has had different looks, different origins, different everything over the years. So and, hey, why, and, why can't he be Jason Momoa? And, and he's just a, a striking character on screen. He's good, and he looks like an action star, man. Well, I, I don't know, Dave, I don't know if you're you're aware, but we've had a Jason Momoa parody on the show. <laughs> no. Yeah, we did a whole series uh, called Road to Justice, um, basically episodes of our podcast leading up to Justice League. Okay. And now that we're post-Justice League... We'll finish it up with the Superman. Yeah, we're going to finish it up with Superman, but we've had... Suffering we, post-partum syndrome. We've had our version of Jason Momoa, and, and I think he would say, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to want to hug it out with you later on, you know? <laughs> Dave, I, I really like this guy here. Well, well, I like well, guy well here. We, our whole thing that we did was, uh, was the idea that uh, during the Super Friends era, Aquaman and the uh, other ethnic... Super friend characters. Mm -hmm. They did a bust, and what they didn't realize that was like behind the door where they did the bust was like, like, like a couple of tons of marijuana. And like they kept uh, Aquaman. Aquaman was like, no, 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 you guys go. I'll stay here, hand this over to the feds. And then they get a call the next day, and it's like, uh, hey man, that was the DEA. Um, yeah, they said they're missing like like 20, 25 pounds of the weed that we sent them. What's going on? And then Aquaman rides up and is like he's like completely like and they're like, What's what's going on, Aquaman? And he's like, he's gone from like the super friends Aquaman is like, Yes, go take that over there. Yeah. To to like, yeah, bro, what's going on? Listen, uh, I'm gonna have to take some time off from the Justice League. I uh just getting my head together here. You know, it's it's not it's not you guys, it's me. I gotta get my head straight. Well, you know, and they've given Aquaman a great reason to come up out of the ocean, right? He has to score. 
You can't you can't smoke that stuff under the water, yeah, man. That's right, what are you dude. talking about? It's crazy. <laughs> Bic lighters just won't work. It's no just gone, man. You know, I'm trying to bring down to like lava vents and stuff. It's just not working. <laughs> uh, uh, so, Amor, Why did we not think of that? Why did we Miguel? not think of that? Thank you. Thank you. We're gonna give you. We're gonna do that. We're gonna send you a, a, a residual. Don't worry. Uh, what else in the uh, in the news? Um, yeah, you've been you've been go, you've been going on about the scuttlebutt. With oh, Avengers yeah, yeah, Infinity yeah. Some, War. Okay. Some, let's just do some cool uh, before because, you know, this, Dig in. this is the month we're getting Infinity War. Yeah. And I'm trembling with excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're like, you want to, you, you want to see this. Love it. I'm a Marvel fan. It's a celebration. I think yeah. this is a 10 year celebration. And the run of films they've had up to this is truly astounding. There's nothing Just accomplishing else. that. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I can think of to compare it to would be. When serials were happening. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And well, what have I been talking to you for the longest time? I'm a huge serial fan. And mm -hmm. in fact, I was going to bring up the Captain Marvel serial right, earlier. Yeah. It's just, you know, the first superhero movie. Mm -hmm. And it's just is mind-boggling. I just watched it recently again. It's, it's, this this it is, is the black and white one, right? The black and white, right, right. 1940 yeah. or 41. They do some really interesting, you know, is it cheesy in terms of production values? Yes. But even saying that, in that Captain Marvel series, and the storyline, I still yeah. can't figure it out. So right? Yeah, yeah. Don't go into the Valley of the White Men. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now you need to protect all the white men. Exactly. So there's like this. Which is it? Right. But some of the effects and things they do are pretty for their time. Oh, the way they the flying effects. Right. Why couldn't they just do that when they did the George Reeves Superman in the in the, the Kirk 1950s? Allen, yeah, yeah, yeah the Kirk or Allen. Kirk Allen? Why did they have to make him a cartoon in those? Well, you know, again, it's the the period of the time. You know, you're, the, everyone's playing around. What can we do? How can we accomplish this? It wasn't even good animation. He, <laughs> he, the way he would fly up in the air, like all you know, flying around like in little. It wasn't. Circles. It wasn't Fleischer. It wasn't Fleischer. It wasn't the Fleischer show. It God no, yeah, it sure it wasn't. Wasn't. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but the, going about the scuttlebutt that you've been going on. Yeah, about. yeah. So you know, here we are, Infinity War. We're we're, we're coming down to the you yeah, know, it's going to come. And uh, so there's some there's some behind the scenes shots and things that I'm seeing that are either for this film or the sequel because obviously the uh -huh. follow up film was filmed at the same time. Yeah. And uh, let me just get your ideas on some on some of the so one shot has got a Tony Stark with much. I want to say much lighter or grayer hair uh -huh. in a shield agent's uniform uh -huh. and looking very different from what you see him in the trailers. Right. So is this a time travel situation? I think there is. I you think, think it is. You think it is. Well, yeah. there, the time gem is one right, of the stones right. and Dr. Strange has already used it against Dormammu. Right. So, so it's established. Is it a thing where, right is, it a, is it a question where maybe... This is a Stark from the future who has come back to right or wrong. Like, you, oh no, we all got, you all got, you guys all got killed just exactly like I feared. Mm -hmm. And this is, I have to do something to change that, to erase that. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's just a guess, of course. Mm, right, right. But I think then what they will do is use the time gem to go back in time even further. Yeah, right. Fick, they're going to, yeah, obviously they, they the have greatest to go back MacGuffin to, of all time is the We've problem. seen... Also, behind-the-scenes shots that look like Avengers 1, where they're wearing the same... Yes, yes, yes. But Ant-Man is there. Yeah. So, you know that they're is probably... Is it time travel? Or, I've, 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 uh, some people have floated this idea out that um, we're seeing, like, a shot of Tony Stark um, with 
uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And he's, like you said, we're seeing the, so, the cost, other characters in the costumes from Avengers 1. Some people have floated the idea that we are dealing with time travel in two ways. Okay. One will be time travel via the gem of some high eye. Tony Stark that comes back in time. Mm-hmm. The other one and is a barf simulator. Is the barf simulator from Civil War. The holodeck thing that he came up with that we right. saw. Right. And maybe what he's doing is there's some. this is some sort of like way to bring the audience up to speed about something or something plot-driven where it's him and, and Peter and it's like, well, we, we got to figure this out. Well, okay... If this has been going on from the from the beginning, if this is all Loki had a gem and we didn't know about it, I've got to do some. Uh, let's do some research. Let's let's go through our files. And he takes him because he's Tony Stark, you know, showing off to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. He's got to take him through this holodeck thing and show you, know, like, you know, and here where we were, and this is where it happened. And there. <laughs> that would be a good use of the simulator. Uh, I'm a firm believer, and once you have established right something, something. you know, it's uh, the old law of like, you know, put it if you have a gun in a scene, in one scene, you have to use the gun in another scene. Yeah. Uh, don't put it there if you're not going to use it. That's just right. storytelling basics. I, now, I think that because we've seen the photo of uh, Avengers era Captain America, the, the, the first, cla- the, the first uh, uniform that he wears, right? Not the World War II one. And they're wearing these devices, these blue devices on. They all have them. Ant-Man has one. Ant-Man look, looks a little bit more built in. Right. It's in, built in into, into his suit. So that's probably PIM technology. Yeah. It's something, go. and maybe a connection to, again, the way... That's you, another thing about the Marvel Universe I love, because now you've got Wakandan technology, <laughs> Stark tech, and PIM tech. PIM technology, yeah. which, is, which PIM has basically said... No, no, no. The Tony Stark suit, <laughs> I it's love nothing that. like that. You know, I love he's that. belittling the Iron Man suit. Because it's true, though. I love that. I love that. Look, Top Dog will always, it, it will always be a, a, a fight between, in my opinion, in, when it, you know, because I'm old school, I'm comics. Reed so Richards. It's, like, it's always Reed and Doom, right? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is just swimming in their wake, okay? And Doom, surprisingly enough, Doom's, what's always going to keep Doom a smidge below Reed is... Surprisingly, Reed has more self-awareness than Doctor <laughs> Doom, <laughs> which is which is saying something because Reed is, of course, you know, I've been in the lab all day. I didn't even know I had to eat. Right. But yes, he is. He has a, just a smidge more than Doom. But yet, no. The truth is, when you if you really think about the science of it, compare what Tony Stark does to the batshit crazy stuff that Hank has done machine. over the years. <laughs> it's just not even, it's not in the same And yeah, you know, the conversation's always been, he's an entomologist Did who he start out killer robots. Bugs? You know? <laughs> Why is, how is he, because of course comic book, you know, you're a scientist means you do everything. Right. That's right. <laughs> and he was created, I mean, he's basically the first Marvel superhero. He predates Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, the man in the anthill, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they weren't really thinking long term with the technology when they invented it for that story. <laughs> they just sort of got stuck with it later on. But it does, it does, it like if you're going to then adapt it to the modern day and have a Hank Pym and say, no, this is a guy, this isn't merely engineering a better machine. This is a fundamental manipulation of reality the reality of the yeah. universe to yeah. change something's size to increase it or decrease it well in my, in my opinion there's no doubt that when they do the sequel Ant-Man and Wasp which is also down um, yeah, yeah, um, not, not around the corner from us right yeah. um, they're bringing in Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, Janet Van Dyne yeah right yeah, so yeah. that's a whole story in the quantum realm because I'm just, I, like I'm pretty much I'm gonna make a guess here yeah she got lost in the quantum realm right and now it's about 
we got to rescue her, you know. There'll be some, they'll tie in that. They'll somehow. tie that yeah. in. Yeah. Now, yeah. my Let's question Let's pronounce is, her name correctly. It's Michelle Tedifer. Tedifer, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's nice. funny you mentioned it. Now, we nice. um, we had this conversation about two weeks ago about uh, in, in, watching Jessica Jones. And I we're, we're flipping through the cast on like IMDb. <laughs> right. I go, Who's that woman playing Trish's mom? And I go, Miguel, that's Rebecca De Mornay. Or as I like to say, uh, as as Wayne's World, they say in <clears throat> Wayne's World, Rebecca De Mornay, Rebecca De, De Mornay. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of just blew that our blew minds. my mind because I didn't even like, I didn't bother to like, I saw the character all through the first season. And then he was like, that's Rebecca De Mornay. And the second he said it, I was like, oh, oh crap, you're <laughs> Right. <laughs> I had a very similar experience with uh, the artist of my comic, uh, Carl. Mm-hmm. We were watching it, and he pointed it out, and I was like, oh, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't believe it. So happy, though, to see her. Well, I mean, come on. We all have her in, in, in she's in amber in our minds, risky business. Yeah. You know what I mean? The it's train that, scene, that, oh, I mean, my God. On. I mean, just. Uh, now, let me ask you guys. Um Namor Scuttlebutts? Uh, any more rumors about that in, in Infinity War? No, I don't think so. No, don't think, so think, that's completely. I, I don't think. Yeah, that's nonsense. Please, there's, there's just. Well, that would be I a big surprise. I, I'm still wondering if we're even going to see Captain Marvel, the Marvel version of Captain right, Marvel. Yeah. I'm pretty certain it. that's a post credit scene. I think a post credit scene yeah. is very possible because, after all, they want to set up that movie. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. just Avengers Four because she's going to have her film before. Uh, Whatever Avengers Four, the, the, is after this, well, it's yeah, a setup yeah. for the next phase, Phase Four, whatever. Well, phase and, call and it. I'd like to get Dave's opinion on it because you know we have our my own little uh, theories on that. Um, so you know, you said Carol Danvers, yeah. everyone out there knows Carol Danvers picking up the mantle from Marvel, yeah, Cree, Brie Larson, uh, you know. And now <laughs> I have a theory myself. One of my favorite cheeses. <laughs> no, I love Gouda. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, I have a theory uh, about that, which is that, uh, you know, the term backdoor pilot. Yeah. Uh, which is, a, you know, from the entertainment industry where it's like you have, a, you have a television series and, you know, someone wants to do a spinoff. Someone wants to do but they're like, ah, we don't want to produce a pilot in and of itself. So we're going to introduce these characters and these ideas here on this mm-hmm. other show that's already popular and then spin it off into its its own thing later down the line. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the concept for this Carol Danvers uh, Captain Marvel movies is this. We are coming to the end of the Thanos phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, in some capacity, the stones, all that, that it was so central to these stories, that's going to be done with. So what's the next thing? Now, what well, do you think the next thing is? I personally, I don't think they'll get rid of Thanos. I think he'll return in the future. I don't think they'll kill him. Uh, comic, well, comic, comic book, book characters like, yeah, never, yeah. Really die. never really die. Never really die. I'll be in my helicopter. It's going to take a flight to the Hamptons yeah. for a while. Uh, well, my theory is this: I think that via Carol Danvers' film, what you do is we know that she's going to be fighting the Skrulls. Mm-hmm. I think that that's your that's a setup for the Kree invasion mm-hmm. backdoor pilot. Well, I would love that. <laughs> well, well, there's a huge major discussion, um, especially, I don't know if you um, are familiar with the Collider. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, um, they're another news outlet, a yes, huge yes, major so, news outlet. Sure. Right so, um, uh, schmoes, no. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so these guys, they, they talk about a, the coming of a, a Kree uh, Skrull War, and that Earth is just a playground for that. 
Um, and that's going to be the next, a, a huge part of the next phase. And I think that, that it'll either be an amalgam of yeah, Kree-Skrull right, War. Right. It'll be something where it'll be Kree-Skrull War slash Secret, Secret War. Invasion. It Secret can invasion. be exactly like what this Avengers film is going to be like, where it brings all the Marvel characters together yeah. in one film. Uh, so yeah, th- th- I think they'll spend a lot of time building up to it. They're going to mm-hmm. introduce the scrolls yeah, yeah, yeah. with Captain Marvel, and then I think that they will remain in the background. And you know, these characters—they never really uh, kill them off, and they're a whole race. Right. You can't kill off a whole race, right? Right. And 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 Carol can't in her film. No. As powerful as she is, it's not. She's not. I can take. I can wipe out the entirety of the scroll empire by myself. No, obviously. But they can introduce the concept there of the scrolls. Mm-hmm. Shapeshifters come to Earth. She dealt with them in the nineties. They have returned now. And then in the next phase, if we get a Fantastic Four movie, I say you introduce Super Scroll mm-hmm. in a Fantastic Four movie. So now we're moving the scroll story forward. So now it's like mm-hmm. the audience has first been introduced to scrolls with Carol. Yep. Then the FF meet them, and it's like, oh, the scrolls not only shapeshift, and they the can Kree, get powers. I think the Kree will play a part. Oh, obviously, in all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the Ronan, the Accuser, is also going to be in the Captain Marvel. Movie. Oh, really? Yeah. You think you think they'll bring? I've him heard back? that that okay. is a real possibility. After all, the Kree well, he's and already the scrolls been cast. Have Lee, their own war with each other. Lee Pace has already been cast for for Captain Marvel. Oh, he isn't. He, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, he isn't. Well, he is. Yeah, he is. Are yeah, you sure? Yeah, yeah. Wait. Um. Yes. I'm. I'm sure you're. You're one hundred percent. Because I don't. I'm not sure that. That's I've been true. hearing that. Yeah. So. I know that the fans want that, but I don't know if that is true. I don't think. I think that it's a rumor. I think point. I heard it on Emergency Awesome. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, but yeah, he's a. That's a more him. That's more of him throwing out theories. I'd have to wait to hear it from like. Someone who's got really good connections, and obviously, really the only people that should be, you know. Yep, Lee Pace. Like, he's um uh, already been cast in IMDb for Captain. I saw IMDb, dude. Check the rap. Put leap. No, no. IMDb. <laughs> IMDb. Yeah, and that's totally. IMDb is the worst possible thing you could you could ever bring up, Ed. Dude, I'm not even joking. <laughs> Unless you're using whatever. professional IMDb <clears throat> Pro, anyone can put anything they want on there. All right. Um, it's always. The rap deadline, you know, the trades, variety. That's where I get if if when they say it's it's so. Anything Fur- else is Fury's kinda... in it. I mean, Fury is. We know that Fury is definitely in it. Coulson. Coulson is having uh, a camp. Clark Gregg. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that. See, he's, uh, he's yeah, in. I'm not certain because I, again, I just, it's I'm a, just it's like I don't want to throw something out there if it's not. Now true. it's set That's in the early '90s, so there's a lot. That he could be. Do. Yes, they, there's there are a lot of choices for a lot of characters coming right. up. Uh, what else? Anything else? News? Um, yeah, I thought you guys were going to go into also the uh, um, because we mentioned the the FF Fantastic mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Four. If we're gonna, if there's more to be said about the Disney Fox deal. Well, where does it stand today? Right. I mean, I'm hearing different things. The deal was set, but then on Comic Book Cast, but he said it was reported in Bloomberg right. that the deal's off because Comcast had stepped in wanting to make an offer for Skynet. And mm. apparently that has scotched the Not whole that Skynet, deal. but okay. Skynet. <laughs> 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 no, Terminators. Not that Skynet. But, uh, is oh. it Skynet or a Sky... What Sky is, News. Sky, Sky News. Oh, well, I don't know. Like we, Slight we, mistake there. We can edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 well, when we talked yesterday, Ed, like I said, there are just... is. This is such a gigantic endeavor. 
And right. there's going to be tons of legal questions, regulatory questions, contractual questions that I think us not... Remember, we didn't hear about it, you know, suddenly it was like, they're talking. Then we didn't hear about it for a while. That's like, they're talking again. And then, boom, this gigantic announcement. Uh, I think it's a fait accompli myself. Uh, it's just... Disney's just got too much money and all the rest and <laughs> at this point I was a bit surprised to find that Sky News was a bigger deal to Disney if it's true mm. than all these characters that they would be acquiring well because we're the fanboys that's right. the thing yeah, are, think... we, are we, we concentrate on that we heard oh Disney might be buying Fox so the first thing in our minds was <gasps> whereas the truth is you know Disney just, look, just came out of Marvel Studios about, this is not about um, Marvel characters. No. Disney is acquiring this because they want Fox's library of their entirety of films for streaming. Yes. They want to have, this is about building a library. Again, you and I, though, we go like, oh man, I just, I just want to see, <laughs> I just want to see Wolverine and Captain America. I'd be happy together. about that. I'd love to see a lot of the old <laughs> Fox movies before they were 20th century Fox. Mm -hmm. Love to see a lot of those get restored. I mean, you've got an awful lot of things like Spencer Tracy movies that mm -hmm. nobody's ever hardly seen. And of course, John Ford had a huge career at Fox, mm. and very little well, of that. It's a, is, again, it's a giant library, a rich, uh, you know, trove. And then you other franchises. <clears throat> you know, Fox has got Predator. Fox has got Alien. Yeah, Avatar. Know? Avatar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. They have Avatar, and Disney coincidentally has an Avatar section of Disney World. Ah, someone must have known. <laughs> so. <laughs> Personally, I think that it's still going to happen, or else they'll make a new deal where they are still acquiring the characters, even if they don't get Sky News. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, last thing we want, uh, I want to bring up on news of that, they, um, someone, I guess there was some rumors that John Boyega had just left Marvel Studios. Um, right. So there might have been some conversation um, uh, uh, about John Boyega doing something or, or picking up a franchise. Um, so the rumors might be that Blade, that he well, might, that, that's that, and again, that's just a rumor. And I, uh, uh, you know, Dave, I don't know how 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 far back your memory goes with the Blade, but I mean, I was talking to I was talking to Ed yesterday about this, hero. and I was like, and I first said, Marvel superhero on film. Right, right, right. The first, uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Right. Not, the not first, the first on film. Black right. cinematic Marvel superhero. Yeah, right. Black Panther, of course. Right. Sixty. You know, the, 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 you know, again, the and also the issues of that at the time, they didn't really push the he's a comic book superhero angle. That's right. There was it no was, thought of it being a crossover. But wasn't Kevin Feige around even? Well, Feige was handling. See, this is the thing about as much as I love Kevin Feige, and uh -huh. everyone is like he's the greatest, and he is. He is a foxy mofo. He's smart. Everything. Visionary. But people forget <laughs> that he was also part and parcel of all the crappy stuff that led before the MCU. He was a producer, Punisher. and that was good because he learned what didn't work. He learned what could be done. He learned limitations, but. But that also doesn't take away from the fact that he's on, you know, he's he listed in the credits for Electro. And that's Paul, all I'm going to say. Well. <laughs> he's still, he was never the guy calling the shots, though. Right. He, and he once would he be got a that, producer, yes. but not the producer. Right, right. Once they, once he was really freed up, most people, I think, would agree that that's when the Marvel Cinematic Universe has really kicked into mm. high gear. Well, you, you always, we always say, what is the, the Marvel Universe is, is built on the shoulders of three guys. Feige, John Favreau, and RDJ. Mm -hmm. 
You know, those oh, I three, thought you were going to mention like you know um, Aviarad. You know, like no, those no, no. Guys no we were talking about the okay. Marvel universe yeah. as we know it, the Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. This is it's the house that John Favreau, RDJ, and Feige built. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, he has learned. Uh, you know, through failure, learned, and you know, he is. A, but I always like to remind people that uh, that they think that this is, oh yes, it's the greatest. Everything you'll touch will be gold. Like. Uh, he he also has some stuff in it that's not it. <laughs> in his in his background, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, <laughs> what what but um, uh, one of the things about Blade getting back to Boyega okay, is uh, um, I don't know if you remember I was talking to Ed about this and he was like who could be it? and I was going I, 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 initially I was you know I'm racking my head at like his name his his um, Boyega as a as an actor his his profile's pretty high it's on the and a rise. producer and a, and a, right. he's and so an like, executive what, producer could, on Pacific what Rim. What characters are they? They've already got this character. Mm. And then I go I just said it's got to be Blade. It's high profile. Mm-hmm. It's a franchise everyone knows. And then it clicked for me more because I said Ed Ed do you remember Blade from the comic books? Because people forget that Wesley Snipes Blade is actually a bit of a recreation of, of almost from the ground up of what Blade was. Blade in the comics, Dave? I don't know if you remember this. Why? He was born and raised in England. <laughs> I didn't remember that aspect of this character. But yes, he was born and raised in England. So Boyega, uh-huh. natural accent? Natural. And I like the idea of them bringing the horror aspect into the Marvel Universe. Uh, they In the comics, it's always been there. Yeah. You know, very, very prominently. Well, people can always say that, you know, Stan's first stuff was... Hedging his bets. Tales of suspense. Yeah, a lot of monsters. <laughs> yeah. A lot of monsters. They fight a lot of monsters in those early issues. Fing Fang Foom. Fing oh, Fang Foom. The Mole Man and the Moloids and all the other characters. And even to the point where a lot of people say it's like you know even the Fantastic Four. It's like uh, we're gonna get we got the thing there. So if we ever want to pivot this into another direction, <laughs> we can we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, that covers, That's you know, a lot of the news. news that we have here. Uh, so let's talk about Danger Corps. Oh, let's do. Let us do. Now, you're, what are your influences when you decided, uh, I'm going to do this? And for wh- how about that? How do you start going from, I'm a musician, you know, but I have this other passion. How do you go about that in the modern well, um, I started as a writer in newspapers. I was a journalist. Okay. And so uh, I ha- I've always had that thing of deadlines and just, you know, sitting down and banging it out. And then um, that morphed later on as I was a rock musician. That morphed into writing lyrics. Uh, lyrics tell a story. You know, uh, the best songs tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I found myself writing screenplays in the early 90s. I wrote several. I did a, a biography um, of John Ford, the film director, and never got produced. It's too bad. Uh, but that one was underwritten by the um, John Ford estate. So I had all access wow. to all the materials and, and everything. everything and extensive meetings with Ford's grandson. Did you, did you, learn, you, know, did you learn anything ab- about... That period in that Ford that, you know, that you would be like, would blow people's minds or you're like, that was weird, that was strange, or that was really interesting? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, that he, you know, he always had a reputation of just being a real bleep. <laughs> real hard ass. <laughs> uh, he was worse, okay. worse in real life. Well, didn't, didn't he like knock John Wayne like down, like when, when the first time they meet oh. was basically, hey, show me your football stance. 
and then like he basically just like ran roughshod over 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 Wayne, right? I had a scene with that in it. Absolutely. <laughs> that was on a movie called Mother McCree, 1928. So it was silent. And um John Wayne was a linebacker at USC. And uh so was Ward Bind, who was on that same picture. Mm-hmm. And um they just immediately Ford, even though he made fun of Duke Morrison, as he was known, uh, he to other people he would say, that kid's got something. The camera will like him. And someone else would say, well, he's not that handsome. And Ford would say, it doesn't matter a damn. It's about, does the camera like you? Is there a charisma? And this is why John Wayne was playing leading roles right up until basically the day he died. (laughs) Uh, He just had that charisma. It was never about good looks. Can I just say that uh, I grew up in a household where my grandmother grew up with... uh, Grew up with John Wayne's films, grew up with them as a, as a, and loved him. And when I mean loved, I mean physically, the whole nine yards. We, I had a, uh, she had a bust of John Wayne in really? her room, Impressive. pictures and everything. And like we used, to, we got to the point where <laughs> people in the family, kids would grow up and they would be like, who's that man? Cause they have pictures. And you know, the younger ones, the other, the, you know, they're like my younger cousins would go like, oh, that's grandpa. That's grandma. Yeah, that's that's grandma's. That's grandma's. That's grandma's. So you know, you 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 are working on screenplays. I was you're working writing, on screenplays, and journalism. I did that, and then I did some other commissions. I've written about fifteen or sixteen full length screenplays, and and also theater. I did none of it ever got produced. Uh, at least with the theater, I got readings, table readings, and uh, that was a lot of fun, and that really sharpened my ability to do dialogue. So in the midst of all that, a lot of disappointments with screens, uh, screenplays, and I just came up with this story. It was a science fiction story, time travel. I absolutely adore time travel stories. I've read every single one of them, whether it's the time machine or a story that appeared in National Lampoon. I read them all, and I just absolutely adore them. And Doctor Who, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> oh. We're gonna yeah, have we could you, do a whole podcast have you on for that. Just, on, just on Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, just, we could do a whole podcast just on one episode. Doctor. Yeah, just one, one episode. Doctor. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I had absorbed all the, the uh, laws, if you will, of time travel. Right. And I think there are there should be laws of it. Just like, the, you know, uh, Asimov had the, the laws of robotics. I feel like, and that's adapted by anybody that writes about robots now. You know, you're it's gonna, an actual thing that people who program AI and other stuff, they're like, yeah, we might want to keep these in mind for safety purposes. That's right. There's writers like that. Arthur C. Clarke is another one that they didn't just write great fiction. They came from a place where it would have to be this way. And so that's compelling. And uh, time travel, will that ever happen? No, I think it's just a nice fantasy for us all to have. But for narrative, as a writer, you're like, I need to have some nuts and bolts ideas of how this logically can work in my story. That's right. And, to, and unless I, you're doing uh, stream of consciousness, it needs to have that grounding. Mm-hmm. And I really uh, was influenced by Doctor Who, I will say, and um, Stephen Moffat in particular. Oh, uh, wow, okay. Who... He took time travel, the concept of it, and took it another step further. And he said, well, if you were a time traveler, you would meet people, you might meet them multiple times, but it would always be out of order. <laughs> you might meet someone as an adult, the next time you meet them, they're a child. Right. And so 
but that would be normal for a time traveler. And so that's kind of mind-blowing. I mean, just kind of let that sink in for a second. You wouldn't have a, a chronological life. Your life would be out of order, too, because you're traveling around in time. And you might even meet yourself at different time periods. <laughs> As the doctor has. <laughs> As the doctor has done many times. So so you decide to, uh, you're, you're writing this story, Anomalies. Mm -hmm. And what, was it always intended as comics? And what, what made No, comics... it started as a screenplay. Uh, I intended it to be a very high concept screenplay because I hadn't done that. I had done biographies and movies I knew were going to be low budget. And uh, character-driven things. And so I really wanted to do something high concept. And we've already mentioned the old serials, and uh, I'll just tie into that. The old cowboy movies like Roy Rogers, the singing cowboy, the B-Westerns, <laughs> uh, of which John Wayne made many, too, but he wasn't a singing cowboy. But those low-budget odors that were only 60 minutes long that were made in five days and had a budget of about $60... I loved that because they always had cowboys, but there would be gangsters and machine guns and airplanes and radio. <laughs> it was what I used to call cowboy never never land. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you, and, you're getting into uh, Blazing Saddles territory. You know? Well, we kind of are. But then I even mashed it up even further because you had all the UFO stuff happening with the 50s. Oh, right. My yeah. parents used to have the newspapers with you know UFOs sighted over the Fort Brothers Knox. from Outer Space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I mashed it up. I, what I really wanted was a story about cowboys and flying saucers. And so I said it in 1947, that cowboy never, never land era. And I made it so that the saucers were not from somewhere else. They're from Earth, but in the future. Okay. Way in the future. So far in the future, there's already been another Dark Ages and then that period. And so that gave me a nice, long expanse of time to play around with if I, if I did future stories with the same character, which I was thinking about. I knew that my character was going to serve as a bit of uh, a deus ex machina in the story. So I tried my best to make sure that he wasn't that, you know, that he's very clearly set up to do what he does at the end, which saves the day. He doesn't just become a superhero magically. You get to kind of see the, 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 the There's journey. a transformative process. That I wanted it to be, the whole story was the creation of a superhero, an origin story. You know, generally speaking, when you have an origin, at least in the era when I was reading comics and I was young, you know, say Peter Parker, it he's bitten by the spider on page one. By page three, he's out having adventures. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I wanted it to be a little bit more drawn out than that and really make the story uh, that was going to be my, my signpost for all different sections of him and, and on the road plan, to becoming a superhero. Did you plan this as a multi-part movie or whatever, live action thing, and then saw that, you know, well, if I want to have a sort of a proof of concept or something, was that the idea of going to I was comics? definitely thinking sequel, mm -hmm. sequels. And so I knew the first one would be called Anomalies, uh, but then after that it would be featuring a character called The Anomaly. I had that going in. Okay. And so that would, we were talking about 2007 when I was writing that. Uh, and living up at 163rd Street uh, in Manhattan, and my roommate is Carl Ottersberg, uh, who I'll give a bit of backstory to now. Carl, I met at uh, on 99th Street uh, in a hotel. 
we used to call it the Hippie Hotel, but it was the Clinton Arms Hotel. And uh, right there, corner of 99th Broadway, the Metro Theater was right across the street and was operating as a movie theater at the time. And um, uh, I'm, when I met Carl, it was in a hallway, and he asked me, the very first thing he ever said to me was, do you like Batman? <laughs> and my answer was yes. And then his second question was, do you have a, uh, a VHS player? <laughs> Not a VCR. <laughs> this would be, we're talking uh, uh, 1988. I mean, 2000, yeah, no, 1988. 1988, folks. And uh, so uh, he had the Batman serial from 1940. Oh, This okay, is a wow. remarkably racist. It's not good. It's not. <laughs> and we could go down the, the whole the path. The bat's on the strings. About, He's on the desk. The camera pans in on him. Yeah. How sad it is that it wasn't the Joker the way it was originally written. The U.S. government stepped in and asked them to change the story Do to help battle the Japanese. Him, yeah. yeah. So it's too bad. They'd already cast the actor. Wow. I who was supposed that. to play the Joker. Wow. And if you ever watch that serial again, I'm sorry, we're going down a sidetrack here, but it, it ties in a little bit. Um, you notice that, uh, what's his name, Daka, I think, is the, the villain. The, in, yeah, the, in, the, the, the Japanese. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you notice that his door. secret lair is in an amusement park. Why would uh, that possibly uh, be? He's uh, supposed to be the Joker. <laughs> and if you look at the actor, just think about how good he would have looked. As the Joker, he's perfectly cast, perfectly cast. But instead, uh, you know the the vicissitudes of the war, and you know all all, all this. But but uh, back back to uh, uh, where so, was I? Oh yes. yeah, so Carl. So you meet your, you your partner. So Carl and I, we watched Batman, and we loved it, and we've been comic book uh, fans all. We've we've been basically roommates for almost all that time period. He lived just one floor up from me in the hotel. And then eventually we got a huge sort of communal space that we shared with my band, which was called Native. And we all lived together in Manhattan on 26th Street. We took a whole floor of a building and converted it into little artist spaces. Mm -hmm. And then I had a recording studio back in the back and a rehearsal studio for the band. It was just this wonderful space. And we lived there for 15 years. That's what I want. And, uh, <laughs> and Carl did the album covers for the band, Native. And what was his, uh, his, his background came with uh, graphic design uh, or, or, or... Yeah, he was, he was uh, you know, the thing is, he was going to Columbia uh, not for art. So he had the love, the passion for art, but he was, he was in other areas in his uh, studies. Uh, I don't know if he would have gone to Columbia for art. But he knew Joe Quesada back then. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, he hung with Joe Quesada. When Joe, well, Joe must have been just a little pisher. Uh, Joe was going to Fordham <laughs> University, and they knew each other at parties. They had a mutual friend. And uh, so that's Carl. And um, so we've always loved comic books, and many of his album covers, and especially the poster art, he would be drawing in gods and demigods and all these creatures throwing lightning, and it was always very fantasy-related. Well, well, that's just something that's it's missing a, from today's world. Well, you yeah. know. You remember the classic yeah. album, album the, covers. The, 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 Phil Hartman, the Phil Hartman uh, covers, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two words. Roger Dean. The guy who did the Yes album covers yeah. and so many other great yeah. fantasy-related covers. Uh, what was it? Uh, um, electric uh, ELO's covers. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, that yeah. is just pure 2001, just like... <laughs> 
I'm so glad you brought them up. I've got tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing ELO in August. Madison Square Garden. God Can bless. you believe it? Boy, we've we've digressed here. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so, but, all right. Hey, look, Electric Light Orchestra is the perfect uh, soundtrack for uh, stories about you know, superheroes and time travel. Oh, you know what I mean. So I think I don't think we. Well, the whole that album, <laughs> the time album, is a time travel story. Right now, it just seems as if that um, kids nowadays their only access to a lot of the classic stuff, you know, from the sixties or seventies, is like you know if they're listening to a Guardians of the Galaxy a soundtrack, soundtrack right, right? right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's and that's a wonderful thing. It's universal. Uh, I love how culture. Cultural references resound and reverberate all over the place. In my day, you'd buy a Pink Floyd record, and there'd be Doctor Strange on the cover. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so, you know, there, you just had all these great overlapping uh, things. And, of course, you know, Stan Lee was all, already a cultural icon even then. Right. And so made appearances at colleges. Yes, you know and what I mean. He's just, you know, speaking. He's talk he's shows. Yeah. The, he's the guy that really made me want to do this story about the anomaly because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, this was 2007. So the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Iron Man is happening, and I very well understood that they were about to launch an entire universe. Anybody who saw the post-credit sequence in Iron Man knew. But I was already writing the story, and I, but I didn't let it deter me. I was like, well, there's going to be all this. Why create a new superhero now? Right. I mean, Marvel and DC, they've, I mean, and of course, then there's Image. But I don't see Image as a universe. With DC, you have a universe. Mm-hmm. With Marvel, you have a universe. And so I was just like, and with Carl, I was just like, screw it. I want to create a universe. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to create a character. And so we've spent all this time. That was 2007. Here we are, you know, 11 years later. But we've done the uh, anomalies. We've done that story. And now we're uh, writing a proposal to publish it. We're trying to get it in, in the stores. Now, let me ask you about that. And I know that it sounds like it's it's very much a... Um, um, a, a passion that you have oh, yeah. for the material mm-hmm. and your um and I'm not even going to use the word business right but as a business especially with a, Miguel and I we always yeah, yeah. commiserate always <laughs> of local comic book shops closing you know yeah. I grew up of, of the comic industry in general in, yeah. yeah right so um the worst is when you go to buy the, uh, something and you see that it's closed when you yeah, get there. Yeah. So like I I grew up um in uh Sunset on the border of Sunset Park and Borough Park and on uh, 8th Avenue and 58th Street mm. uh, which is now considered Chinatown, right? Mm-hmm. So right around the corner for me um from when I moved here from Jersey when I was when I was about 7 there was a comic book shop there. There was a guy named Joe, and he ran the shop, and he had one glass eye. <laughs> and every day we would go there. There were there were um, there was always an arcade um, um, uh, uh, flavor of the month. You know whether it was um, Gattaca or Gattaca. Sinistar, which was which was one of my favorites. Right, <laughs> Sinistar. Right. So, um, and you would go there, and, and we we talk about it all the time. It's like, uh, hey man, you know, is. Is uh, are you gonna buy that issue of Faust? <laughs> but these stores have closed since. You know, it's very rare that you find yeah. these small um, shops. Mom and popish. Now, right. if there's there, if they are existing, they're franchises almost. Right, you know, like Midtown, uh, Comics? Midtown Comics, Cosmic Comics. Now, yeah. com- we have there's a com- Cosmic Comics, which is right next or literally right next door from Alpine Theaters, which 
The less about Alpine this time, though, well, let's but just move on. At this point, we talk about Alpine theaters all the time, yeah, which is located here, here, in, here, in Bay, here in Bay Ridge. But, um, I but, was yeah. the same way. Uh, when, uh, no matter where I've lived, it seemed like there was always a comic book store within walking distance. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Denver and uh, California oh, and New York. Right. I come from Kentucky. Uh, so I've been all over. Uh, I lived in Philadelphia for a while. There was always a comic book store. So then, from your point, from what you're seeing, like, what are, what are your... Um, you picked a hell of a time to yeah. decide to get into... <laughs> right. What we're right? saying is, you picked a horrible time to get involved in the in the world of comic book publishing. In one way, yes. But, you know, the thing is, when I was getting into really doing the research on what it was going to take to get started, I was reading all the books on it uh, in around, you know, 2007. And at that point in time... It was all about publishing. There wasn't this online. I mean, you yes. know, Ten years it, the, the yeah, focus has really changed in that time period. And in order to publish a comic, much less get it distributed, you need at least, just to do your first issue, you'd have to have 20000 bucks on hand. If you want to get decent distribution, a distributor is not going to pick you up unless you've got enough issues. They can put it in their chains, you know, across the country. Diamonds, somebody like that. They're, they're, they, they would demand a certain number, and so you had to have. And if it didn't sell, and you got all those back, mm. you're out of business. Yeah. And you got a, a room full of comics that you can't sell. And I think it's kind of also weird that um, let's say uh, Tahanisi Coates, who uh, National Book Award. Yeah, you're right, um, writing Black Panther now. Right, writing Black, uh, and these are graphic novels. Now, graphic novels are, are kind of huge now. Um, and it doesn't seem like they're going away per se, but those things are being sold at bookstores, which by the way, my wife, she, um, bless you, Clark. Now my wife, um, runs a, um, a bookstore in the city. Now she works for a bookstore company uh, Mm -hmm. called Postman Books, plug. Mm. And, um, there's always that graphic novel section, you know, where you have your chip kids, you have your, uh, Alex Ross's, um, yeah, those those are those are still sections that exist. Yep. Even though it's still, it's a, there's always a like somewhat diminishing returns. Yeah, I go there. I'm like, what's this? Like, no one's reading this. You know, you gotta. Well, well, uh, I've talked. About, I've told you this story before, and I'll tell Dave this. Um, around about the same time, uh, you know, when you know brick and mortar bookstores were starting to close you know mm-hmm. you go down to court street in brooklyn and mm-hmm. right next to the court street ua there is the barnes and nobles it's still yeah. open mm-hmm. i don't know how i don't know how in this world of amazon and all this stuff, but it is and about around that time i was seeing some film and you know you get there a little early oh man i got 45 minutes to kill now i'm always not starting okay well hey i'm gonna go into barnes and nobles put around there for a little bit and they had a section for comic books and they i went there and i'll never forget this um, they had their section of Marvel DC stuff mm-hmm. and the bigger and some of the bigger name obviously Dark Horse some of the bigger independent Image publishers. Image yeah that kind of stuff and uh, well Image had you know well, they uh, what was it uh, uh, did they get folded into the DC because um, uh, uh, they bought uh, they brought Jim Jim Lee yeah. Jim Lee yeah that, so I think he folds so regardless here's a section for, for, for Marvel DC stuff you know it's a it's an okay size mm-hmm. rack and it's got everything you expect to see. Marvel sections, you're going to have some Spidey, Wolverine, X-Men stuff. Um, what was hot at the time was uh, like Avengers Disassembled. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what was kind of going on. So you had a lot, of, a lot of Brian Michael Bendis stuff. And you go to the DC section and you're going to see all the things you expect to see for DC. 
Dark collection versions of Dark Knight Returns, your Death of Superman. At the time, again, what was hot at the time? <laughs> so you had Jeff Johns. Uh, uh, Green Lantern uh, epic happening at that moment. So, yeah, okay, that's going on. And I looked at it, and it, this, you know, it was like maybe a little hot, wider than my, you know, my arm's length. Is, is That's how large it was. And then I turned and see what was next to it, which was the manga section. Yeah. And it just went on. It dwarfs everything. It just yeah. went on. Yeah. And I, it was a stark moment in my life where I'm very passionate about this stuff, and I said, where, where are we going with these characters? Because... The industry of comics, even before, and this was a little bit before RDJ, you know, hey, Iron Man, Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's like fate accompli, it's going to be the biggest thing. Mm. We, we were not at that point. And I'm looking at him going like, what is the future of these characters? Is it just going to be comic books? Is it just going to be video games? Movies. Because these kids, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm here in the section, I'm the only guy at the time in my 30s, you know? I'm the only guy here in the section area. I these had kids to, are reading all these mangas. I've had to ask myself that same question as I get further and further into doing this, you know, because publishing becomes less and less of an option as far as what I call analog <laughs> you know, books. Yeah. Uh, physical media. The physical version of it becomes less and less, or it becomes more difficult to market, let's just say. Uh, I mean, who would have thought that now Kickstarter would be what it is mm -hmm. for creators, you know? But Patreon. Yeah. Patreon. And um, so, but on the other hand, you just move with the times. I look at it as, as long as you got a good character, it comes down to characters. Then you'll find a medium for them, some way to get that to the audience. Um, so, but right now I'm trying to go to the physical medium. I want to do print. Mm -hmm. I want to get, I want to be in bookstores. And I want to do bookstore tours <laughs> and uh, get people to see this because, uh, A, the artwork is just astounding. I think Carl is a fantastic That's beautiful artist. stuff. I was, I was looking uh, online, and uh, I, I like this, the use of the, the, the color. And when you said he knew Joe Quesada, yeah. I, I, there was a, there's a little that early Quesada, like, Styling almost into it, a especially bit. yeah, in his line quality, a yeah, very energy, yeah. what I call an energetic yeah. line quality. It's not the same as um, some of the cleaner qualities that other artists, like a Joe Sinnott, an inker mm -hmm. that did a lot of Kirby. Um, I love the Kirby stuff with Joe Sinnott inking it, and uh, but this is not that. It's a different, more kinetic kind of thing that you see in Casada. Rob Liefeld is another one that has that, mm. uh, and. Um, you know, Todd McFarlane, they're, the line quality, the, their inking, it just jumps off of the page. As, we, as, as Ed always says, the, the, love of, uh, the love of George Perez and the insanity of his detail. Oh, my Lord. And, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we had a conversation once about, um, uh, what was it? Um, uh, was it Crisis? It was Crisis, and in one page, <laughs> and one page, it was just so much going on. And then you have this one window where, where uh, it, 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 like this is basically uh, they're they've gotten on the cosmic treadmill, <laughs> Flash, and I forget who's on the cosmic treadmill. And on one of one of the the, the modules is uh, like the Teen Titans, and someone says, you know, they're pointing at uh, cr uh, Crimson Red, uh, uh, Red Star, oh, Red Star. It was, no, no. It, it was Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. <laughs> it was Hawk and Dove, and Hawk is the, he's the right-wing Hawk, and Dove is the left-wing Peacenik, and Hawk looks over at Red Star, <laughs> who was a Russian communist superhero, is like, who, who, brought, who brought the Rusky? <laughs> and, and Dove is all like, Hawk, please. 
this is this is for the fate of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, if they ever bring that, see, because we're getting a, a Teen Titans yeah. show, you know, if they ever bring that onto the big screen, <laughs> you have to have that scene. Wouldn't that, that be something? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you're so um, you're looking. You want to. You're you're looking to make physical, and you have more than one. Uh, character more than one character so we're creating a universe mm -hmm. and we've got a large plane that we can play on uh the vanguardian goes all the way back to the dark ages okay so he's he's not a time traveler nice. but he can exist across long periods of time that's you know that is very cool as an idea very, similar very to cool. the sort of the captain jack on um very much, yeah, 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 yeah. Not influenced by Captain Jack, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. And immortal, a character who can is more or less is he immortal? He's he's going to be quasi immortal. He hibernates for long periods of time in order <laughs> okay. to in order to, but especially after a, a, ba a battle, right. he'll have to recuperate. To and it might take a long time for him to recuperate. And, and a hundred um, years or or a few centuries might have passed. And he's playing a long game. He's battling villains that are not from Earth that are manipulating Earth. And um, so we're going to really delve into that story more and more. Right now, we're just doing his origin. That's very cool. And uh, I've got a very simple question: Who are your favorites in terms of uh, comic book characters? Oh, you know? Spider-Man. Okay, no question about it. And is it um, so much like? I mean, as a child, you know, we I, I I tell Miguel this all the time. As a child, there are three superheroes that I looked up to: <laughs> Superman, Zorro, Han Solo. <laughs> You know, yeah. very, very good, um, very different in terms of mm -hmm. dichotomy and, and characterization. Now it's all about Batman, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I, I push this thing called Dad Bod, which I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm home dad, mm -hmm. uh, and I, when he was born, when my boy was born, I was fifty pounds overweight, you know, and then one day things kicked in. I re work out regularly, and I, it, Miguel and I, we met at a martial arts school. That was our. Our bread and butter and our friends. You're French. looking a bit gaunt now. Actually, <laughs> I think you need to put on some weight. Well, you know, and I and I and I've said to him, I go, I, I need. When I want, it, you, to I, I want I, you to train me to be the world's greatest hand-to-hand -hand combatant of all time. You know, <laughs> and I keep telling him that it's a pipe dream. You see, you see, Ed thinks he's Gwyneth Paltrow. So you're comparing Dadbot to Goop? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know enough. you're like, hey, if I get that same amount of money, I don't care what you call it. Just don't call me late for dinner. But I mean, um, so and, and I, I asked that question simply because you, know, you mentioned Doctor Who, yeah. which Miguel sold that on me like from years back. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan now. Good. Good. I wasn't when I was when you know back when I was a kid. And neither was I. Because honestly. of accessibility, yeah, it was only on PBS at, at a certain hour sure, with yeah. Tom Baker. Uh -huh. um, and then I just completely there's also, the, there's also the appeal of it because I remember I had a friend. If we, yeah, we're on a tangent here, but I, I had a friend who was growing up huge Who guy. Sure. And classic Tom Baker. And of course, this is pre any of the new mm -hmm. uh, new Who. The Tom Baker era, in modern times, it's hard to explain it. To people now. The appeal, right. The appeal. I mean, although they see the appeal of him as an actor, as a character, he's right, yeah. great. But they see the cheesy special <laughs> effects. But that was part of the Oh, uh, yes, yes, it, yes, that's know? right. And, uh, and let's not would you like the jelly? Would you like the jelly? used to baby. listen to radio, <laughs> and a sound effect was the special effect. Yeah. And it was, it was something that reverberated in your mind. And, you know. Uh, and people forget that, again, like you say, the, the sort of the revolutionary, the Beatles, and all, all these things that we take for granted. In 1973, 1974, 1975, if you are in England or in America, and you're of the type of person who is gonna, uh, sci-fi is gonna appeal to you, mm -hmm. 
do the Cybermen look like crap? Yeah, they look like crap. <laughs> but you weren't getting that anywhere else. Right. That's right. There was nothing to compete with it. And let's or also um, <laughs> you another... could say it was bad because I've never seen another robot on you know like on regular TV all that much. So yo, hey, this is in America. It was marketed differently also than it was in England. In England, it was always at tea time. You know, and yeah. the whole family would gather around the TV around six fifteen or something like this to watch Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. On a Saturday, but in America, uh, they would show it late at night. Yeah, on PBS, so that and Monty Python would be back right. to back, right. <laughs> and so right. it just caught on with a crowd like myself that was college age that was ready for something like that. Well, I mean, people he, the same people that would get up and watch Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons <laughs> and just laugh their butts yes, off. Absolutely. Well, this is how Miguel sells it to me. He's like, "No, no, you need to do Doctor Who. You need to watch Doctor Who. Think of, think of." A MacGyver, but in outer space. Okay, <laughs> and now what I'm getting to with asking you that question and it about was more science fictiony than other shows. Let's yeah. just say. Well, he's also a pacifist too, right? He's not, not once as he used aside from the the side story well, that yeah, there are he's all sorts of timey wimey, timey wimey genocide. That whole thing, you know, <laughs> that's another story. But and what I'm getting to is that, um, like, are your characters? I'm gonna I'm gonna use violence to settle my uh, to, to settle my my cause, or is it in that Doctor Who tradition where it's like I'm, gonna I'm just gonna use situation right and use my screwdriver right so like uh, it, it, I mean I love that that he didn't have a gun right I just loved that I absolutely adored that about the character he had to get to know his adversary mm -hmm. he had to outwit them and outsmart them right and he had to use his brain. And I think that's a wonderful way to tell a story. I think that you can just do that over and over and because over. Because modernity pretty much says that, and, we, and Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. is a perfect example of this, right? Sherlock Holmes settles his, 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 his cause with his wits, his intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, but yet, what do we get when, uh, with, with Robert Downey Jr. on screen? Still had to get some kung fu action. Yeah, like, yeah. the action in. <laughs> right, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull some Wing Chun. Why? Because RDJ is all about the Wing Chun, right? Oh, so. and that's also canon, though. Holmes... Eastern martial arts. Also often talked about that he, he, had, he, he was capable of fighting... And different styles and stuff. He had been a... That's my phone. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll, that's okay. <laughs> he'd been a pugilist. Right. 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 And, uh, yeah, so there was that in his character. You know, that, and uh, and also Watson had a military background. Yes. So they, they could handle the action. Right. And Watson carried a gun. <laughs> oh, right, right. That's true yeah. as well. And that's so there, were, there was a gun around if they needed it. But that was never the way out. I, I can't recall almost any stories... Maybe doesn't Watson finally shoot Moriarty at one point? <laughs> well, uh, we can even argue that Reichenbach Falls is pretty much, you know, okay, the popularity of Sherlock Holmes has been established. Now I got it. Now um, Doyle probably had to, uh, had to figure out, you know, how, Doyle, how is this going to Doyle conclude. was dealing with a lot of things, though. Yeah. He was, he, the popularity was an issue for him, and that's why he wanted to kill him, and then he couldn't. Yeah. And it was just, it was just, it, it was just impossible. You know, now, he's based on a doctor. Right, yes. 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 Right. A doctor who, a patient could come in and the doctor would just look at him and say, okay, you're, you're a private, you're in the, <laughs> the, the saddle corps, and um, your mother died when you were young. He could tell this by looking at the guy. And that impressed him. And that's the you know, birth of that. But you, and then you have this character, Vanguard, right? And um, which by, it sounds cool. 
um, uh, how could you just give a profile on on what makes him the vanguard? Oh, the vanguardian. The vanguardian. The vanguardian. He um, it goes all the way back to Merlin's time. Awesome. And so we're going to have some swords in there, uh, not just Excalibur, but Caliburnus is, uh, plays a big part. Um, and then there's these power crystals, which is the one thing that sort of crosses over into the anomaly story right now. There's crystals that are under the earth that are kind of hard to access, and uh, but they ha- they can give you powers. They can be put into weapons and things like this. And um, later on, they can power time travel spacecraft. So, but they're a, sort of a corrosive sort of power. Uh, they're not clean energy, I guess you okay. might say. And the, your, your two characters, and you said that they, is it a case of you will ever have them meet, or they will meet, or they're going to meet? Yes, they're going to meet, but a, they haven't yet. But they haven't yet. So, but there is sort of hinting that, like you said, you've got these crystals that are there that are common. That's common between, between them, yes. And so I still haven't figured out exactly when or where they're going to meet just yet. Mm-hmm. I just know it's going to happen, and there's probably going to be the time travel aspect to it also like we were talking about earlier where they might meet out of order mm. you know the first time the anomaly meets the vanguardian could very well be the second time the vanguardian meets the anomaly ah and oh. so and god knows what happened the last time first that's time, right so he comes prepared in this case <laughs> and so i'm still working on that one and now why and now why the hibernation is that, uh, is that to, a question? To, to heal. To heal. Yeah, yeah. He has to find a healing and place. And also oh, for right. for the purposes of the of the story, um, like the continuity, that you can do that sort of like, he here's can, a story yeah. in the 40s, here's mm-hmm. a story in the 1850s. Yes. A- and it's because as a child, he had um, extreme exposure to these crystals. You know, the, the, the crystals that in the Dark Ages are exposed above ground a little bit in this cave. And so Merlin goes there... And so this child's father is associated with Merlin. And so he just goes there as a child. And then we go from there. The story just takes off. <laughs> uh, can I ask you a question? Because, you know, there's something about the, the, this. this uh, have you ever read uh, George R. R. Martin's books uh, uh, for uh, Wild Cards? No, I have not. Are you familiar, though, with them? Have you ever no, I can't say that I am. Uh, Wild Cards is an absolutely fantastic series. This is something that Martin did, uh, an anthology series that he oversaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's his baby, but there are a lot other writers. And basically the idea of Wild Cards is, is that uh, it's post-World War II and, and a totally human-looking alien uh, crash lands on Earth. And unfortunately when he crash lands on Earth, um, he leaks a bunch of crap from his ship all over like Manhattan and, and, and it drifts into some other places on Earth, but mostly is concentrated in New York, much like most comic books... Are it's some sort of version of New York City, Metropolis, or yeah. you know, Marvel, New York, and this totally human-looking alien, he has his own powers. He has like a psychic ability, but this stuff that got leaked all over the place causes all sorts of issues and makes this world of a of a superhero sort of thing possible, wherein it's uh, you know goes through the forties, fifties, sixties, all through those eras. And there's this one character in it who's called the Sleeper. Okay, if I believe he was called the Sleeper, and. His his whole thing was uh, that he he had a power, but then he would go to sleep, and then when he would wake up, he would have a different power. Every time he and so he got and they wouldn't always be useful. Sometimes he was like he'd wake up with a completely different physical form, and he was like, "Okay, what can I do?" And he'd look and he's like, "What's the power?" And it's like, "Oh, I can turn my 
skin from green to red. You know, like, you're like, well, this does me no good. But then sometimes he'd be like, I can move crap with my minds or I look like a giant rat guy with incredible, like, you know, physical abilities. And so he would get, he would, he was kind of a chaotic neutral kind of thing where, because he needed, whenever he found a power that was useful, uh-huh. he'd get on speed. He'd take, he'd take anything that, you know, any no-dos, so he could have the power as long to as he could. To retain the power. And then he'd just collapse after doing whatever, we'll wake, wake up, up after a, a month or so, and he has like a, a new set of, 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 of power. So like, I, I, you know, when you told me that, I was like, yeah, that's a cool, I've always found that concept cool. The character think, the kind yeah, of that's a comes in and very, out of his own story. You know what I mean? That's but, a very imaginative character. I really like that. I would be drawn to telling stories about the bad days. Yeah. Like, oh no, I'm green today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, I can't go to the store and shop. You know, I would. I, I, but maybe there could be an adventure you could work in, yeah. like just in his home or something where he's, he can't go out. You know, it's like that uh, that character in the um, uh, what's that Ben Stiller movie? A uh, uh, Mystery Men. Invisible oh. boy, where you know he only turns invisible, but if no, you don't look at him. if you don't look at him. <laughs> By the way, we had a tick episode. Um, uh, that was our last show. The tick, yeah. So, um, yeah, we, that well, we could go. That would have been a party. That would have been a party. Had you come So now, going forward here, now um, you mentioned uh, publishing. You mentioned mm-hmm. wanting to get into physical, but also you're. I assume you're also putting things online. You know, obviously that's online. the way we do it. Uh, we've uh, we've ca- got into a really nice rhythm of doing just a page a week. Mm. Carl works a forty hour week. He's uh, he works at Brooklyn Bowl. Mm. and uh, stays very busy there. And it's a demanding job. He loves it. Um, and then, but he comes home and I've never seen anybody more dedicated. He comes home, fixes dinner and then draws all night, yeah. every night, seven days a week. And if people want to, uh, help ease that burden, yes. <laughs> if you want to help you that, where, where can they, uh, where can online your presence, where can they contribute? Patreon. Uh, we have a Patreon site, Danger Comics Corp on Patreon. That's easily searchable. Um, and then there's our website, DangerComicsCorp.com, uh, where we, we've done this in a, like a serial, really, where we just release a page a week. And so this way we can, we can have a nice run and just one page a week. It's not so much that people have to digest. They're not having to read a whole story all at once. Although you can go back and see all the previous pages. And this has given us the chance to put together a, few, a couple of books. Where now we're ready to... Go approach uh, publishers, uh, indie publishers is where we're going. I've got a couple earmarked, but I don't want to say their names because okay. that could jinx it. Um, and we're, we've got an agent who does this, and um, she really thinks we can get something. And she's got great connections. And so we're putting together the proposal right now. It's pretty well done. And um, so just fingers crossed we can get the books into stores. I think that'll give us... I mean, as much as I love having an online presence, and it's growing very fast. And um, we didn't get into Instagram until just last year. Mm. That's the one that's really growing the fastest for us now as far as people following us. Uh, but it's been just nice, slow, steady. People discover the story online. It's free. They can just look at it. And it's also helped Carl. You know how it is with artists. It's a little bit different oh, yeah. for writers. Uh, in comic book world, the artist is the rock star. Right. And he's picked up some interesting fans. I mean, he's really good friends with people like Jerry Ordway, who's doing wow. action number 1000, the cover right now. Oh, 
Uh, Jim Stranko is a good friend. Ordway is so underrated. Ordway is really one of the most underrated guys. He really is. And let me tell you, he likes our pages. And so that goes out to a nice audience because he's followed by a lot of people on Twitter and so on. And so the fact that people like him and uh, Jim Stranko are liking the pages. Stranko doesn't do as much as far as liking it and promoting it you know mm. but he's a friend mm. and he's there all the time and he and carl especially are just tight uh whenever comic-con rolls around you can, that's a whole he's there's just so much there that you guy, can find us at the stranko booth yeah. <laughs> every year uh, that's where we hang <laughs> and he always has a nice coterie of people around him uh that There's, guy's gonna have a movie made about him someday. I really, to. I, I honestly oh his think, stories. I love Stranko's stories. The you know, real like, life Mister Miracle. The really real is. life Mister <laughs> Miracle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just, love just absolutely it. crazy. Uh, so now, um, are you looking? To, you're, you're looking to expand uh, to uh, some other creations? Would you? Do you have anything in mind? Oh yes, like we'll, to we'll share? have. Yes. Or is there anything you're like? I got to keep this under wraps because I don't want to. Yeah, I want to keep them under wraps right now. We're still getting the vanguarding off the ground. And so, and that's going to take time. We're the way we're doing it right now. We're hopscotching uh, twelve pages with the anomaly, and then we'll do twelve pages with the Vanguardian. So I'm kind of looking at it like an old issue of Tales of Suspense. Mm-hmm. We'd have Nick Fury in the first twelve pages, and then Doctor Strange. And I miss like, anthologies. I love I miss those. Anthologies. The, uh, and so we're kind of thinking of it as we're calling it Danger Comics Zero. But eventually, they'll probably be anthologized in a different way if we do get into the. Uh, print media with them, which we, we will do. I mean, I'm determined to do that. Now, um, uh, separate from um, the comic books, mm-hmm. um, you're a musician. Music. Yeah, um, um, are you... Um, now, we we spoke earlier about this. Uh, now, do you have a... a um, are you what, what, what projects are you working on in terms of... I've got a new band mm-hmm. called Highland, and we haven't put anything out yet. Okay. I'm recording it right now. Okay. Uh, right here in this very studio. You're in Pancake Studio? Mm-hmm. And then I'm also. Are gonna, you going to be covering a? Co- are you going to doing a cover of Princes of the Universe? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that idea. <laughs> yeah, the, I haven't heard you sing yet, Dave. So I don't know if you can pull off uh, the, the the notes Freddie could, but. <laughs> uh, not many people. Can. Not many people in the world. Or maybe can, a bluegrass version of it, you know. We'll a bluegrass blue- version uh, of immortal. Princes of the Universe. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord! I got I've got me blood of kings. John is nodding over here. He's like, oh. Oh no, no! I could do that. We could. <laughs> that, that now has to happen. Born to be king. Uh, Highland for me right now it's a bit more. I've never really written topical songs very mm-hmm. much. I have always written love songs and you know hippie fun dance songs and things like this. And so to get into harder rock like I'm into right now, it kind of reflects the times. It's a little bit more protest music, a little bit. Okay, yeah. A um, bit of rage against the machine. <laughs> well, we <laughs> it's a bit of that. We don't we tend not to drift into politics at will. We even yeah, though so we I'm do drift into politics, but with it. you know, like I said to Miguel like what's going on with with Ted Ninja these days, you know? <laughs> what what is going on? You know, I mean, it really There's fires something up. that could have been said honestly every single day for the last 25 years. Yeah. What is going on with Ted Ninja? <laughs> Said that in 2008. Could have, could have, could have said that in 1998. What's going on with Ted Nugent? <laughs> Dave, he, let he me acquired just... cat scratch fever a long, a long time ago, <laughs> and now it's all about damn Yankees. Some damn Yankees. Uh, let me tell you, um, 
Uh, John, um, thank you so much for setting this up. This was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Um, you delivered on an, another person who just you you you, you delivered Dave. Thank you very uh, John much. John delivered you, you, and you delivered here today. Thanks. Uh, it was a great conversation. Great, beautiful. There's a beautiful baby. Great match. Time you know through. It, it was. It was. It was. It, it absolutely. Uh, you know, it's always wonderful to have someone who's knowledgeable. He's and a deep, introspective guy who's got a lot of knowledge on various topics. He's a writer. You know, he's a musician. I knew you guys would get along. I like uh, discussing the writer view of things. You know, because with comics, so often, you know, the focus is on the artist, mm-hmm. and so it's great whenever I can come in and. Yeah. And talk with someone about writing. It's a, and and you know what? The, the, the truth is, uh, in today's world, even though you're saying you're right, you know, the, 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 the visuals usually trump a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We are in the era of, I think, writing driving a lot of things, especially with the serialized format we have with streaming. Yes. Um, writers may not have power in Hollywood in terms of films, but television, streaming, these sort of things—that is, the showrunner is and is. This is where we are. This is where we are right well, now. Well, more and more, the graphic novel and uh, sequential art mm-hmm. f- from comics. I mean, let's face it—they do storyboards when they make movies. Mm-hmm. The, the the dividing line is becoming more fuzzy. Yeah, mm-hmm. the graphic novel is the. You know the storyboard for the film now. And do you see uh, before we go here? Just like, is is are you looking at a uh, down the line? You would love to see an adaptation. Oh, I would love Guardian to go because it started as a screenplay. Right. Yes, I would definitely love to uh, return to the. Now, uh, what I've learned about writing in the format that I'm in to take that back to the original screenplay that I had, it will be much more visual. Creative, the dialogue would be a lot sharper. The characters, way more sharply drawn. Uh, I've got a female character named Dinah Stonehouse that just came to life on the page in a way that she just simply wasn't. She was a cowgirl, 1947, in the book, but uh, I mean, in the screenplay. But once Carl started drawing her, she just came to life. She, I would see a, an expression on her face. And I would have to give her better dialogue to go with that expression. <laughs> it can't. And no, so that, that, uh, that, that, this little, these three lines here are not enough. This yeah. is some, this says something else. The collaborative me. aspect of doing comics also is just magic. You know, never let people tell you that it was all Jack Kirby or all Stan Lee. It had to be. Yes, it had to be album, both of yeah. those guys, man. It had to be. They they were yin and yang. They were Lennon and McCartney. <laughs> As we, we, which we said, if the Fantastic Four, the, the Fab Fours of comics, then you're right. Then, then obviously, you know, Lee and Kirby are the Lennon and McCartney. Uh, again, this was such a wonderful experience. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, you're welcome back at any time, Dave. Yep. great man. Have if me you, back. If you have, if you feel, if you feel compelled, you feel compelled to join to, us for our, if I get a publishing Infinity deal, I'd like to come back. Oh yeah, talk about that. <laughs> hell, I, I, I was like, um, uh, before before we go completely off here, I, I just uh, for my own sake, because I'm I'm scouting for talent. Um, uh, how, are you a Superman guy? Uh, you know, or or not? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, grew up in the George Reeves on TV era. Right, okay, and even then though, I was like. Why is he up against gangsters? I mean, he could crush <laughs> anybody. These guys would be dead in the first well, minute. Well, we we uh, we got a Superman show that we we're coming up here, and uh, uh, as someone who knows this character and his long history, and you know, uh, doesn't have any antipathy towards him and everything. You know, that's kind of like a break. Uh, we we'll, we'll, we may be giving you a call back. Uh, Plenty to talk about like, there: the cinematic version and the comic comics, version. cartoons, all the rest. Again. 
Thank you so much, Dave. This was Thanks, a man. wonderful experience. Wonderful time. Thank you very much. Uh, Guys. So we have we have uh, more shows coming up, obviously, but uh, we're not going to get into all that here. Uh, as always, I thank Jonathan Vergara for Pancake Studios thank for his wonderful word. I thank our uh, special guest, uh, Dave oh, Thomas, so and uh, cool. I thank our regular cameo of the week, uh, <laughs> Clark Ng. Clark, do you have anything you have to say to the to the audience? Dave, does Dave write the comic book called Archery? <laughs> <laughs> Archery? Yeah. It is? Yeah, it's art. It's dude. It's all about Hawkeye and Green Arrow and <laughs> <laughs> Artemis. Don't you uh, come on, man? Get 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 all with right. it. It's him. It's that's the next book Dave's gonna be publishing. Yes, <laughs> archery. <laughs> You'll have a whole thing, Robin Hood, uh, magical arrows. It could be you know. Yeah, they, the arrowheads are made yeah. out of the crystals. Tell you what, I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll take that up with my artist. And if he says, Let's do it. I'm gonna get another artist. So, um, hey, don't forget your uh, sponsor, Tom Cruise's Thongs Incorporated. <laughs> oh, wow, I was, I did not see that coming. <laughs> uh, as again, so uh, this was this was great. Um, so, to anyone who's listening, we thank you for your time. As always, I'm Miguel Alejandro Velez and Edward Ding here, with along with Jonathan Vergara and uh, our special guest uh, Dave Thomas. And until next time, to be continued! <laughs> Woohoo! Again, thank you so much, Dave. I'm sorry we took so much time here. I'm sorry for the delays. I had time flew. Uh, no hey guys, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Our website is www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Twitter, we're at Danger Comics One. Uh, Danger Comics is also on Facebook, and Danger Comics at Instagram. And of course, the aside from the Patreon page and our website, DangerComicsCorp.com. <laughs>